On episode 23 of Pixel Guide N, we went to Ami West 2019. Modern sequels for classic games. We interview our entire Scandinavian fan base. Six good games we are not thankful for. Tim tells us all about the Amstrad. Cody tries Apple Arcade. Eric BBCs with another computer. Killer Queen Black. Tim sent us another box of goodies. and germs cody here <laughs> and eric wow it's almost like we rehearsed that yeah uh happy thanksgiving y'all actually it's after thanksgiving at this point in time yes it might be if my yeah, back it, to the future is. It, it is or it oh. would be oh it is it absolutely is yeah the turkey was delicious it was i had some amazing gravy i'm so thankful <laughs> and i feel so thankful for my friends my family my beer and my retro systems that's right Eric, how was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> Peeling uh, back that fourth wall. Yeah. How was, uh, how was your Thanksgiving in 2018, the last one you had? The last one I had was pretty good. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, we got a fun episode today. We'll hop right into some quiz questions here, but uh, we're, we have a fun little uh, segment here. We're going to do six good games based on games that we are not thankful for, because we're going to be in negative Nancy's tonight. That's right. Games you should be thankful for, but aren't. But that's aren't. what I. That's what I base mine on. That's yeah. That's what I did too. Very cool. We have an awesome interview with Heinrich. Henrik. I'm gonna. Say, it's Henrik. I'm gonna say He's it not way German. wrong. I'm gonna say it way wrong, and you yeah. say it way right. Heinrich Lagerfeld. Lilfull. Lilfull. Henrik Lilfull. We also have. Uh, tea time with Tim, of course, again. We've got Cody's Corner this time. Um, and we have uh, that interview with Henrik, which is going to be really cool. So, yeah. um, good show, but let's jump right on into some quick questions, shall we? Yep. Quick questions. All right, Cody, you ready? Ready Never. for the evil? No. no, he's back. He's back. That little. I'm trying to find a way to say something <laughs> family friendly. That little jerk in the backside. He is a jerk. I'll give you that. <laughs> you ready for it? He's not going to punch me in the nuts again. Uh, let's see what happens. <laughs> An evil gnome has stolen your pants and knocked you into a dark, smelly basement. Mm. He says he will feed you Vegemite, sauerkraut, and pumpkin beer from Trader Joe's. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He will give you access to one of these video game machines to keep you company with one game every two weeks for two years. This is very specific. Of your choosing. Which system will you choose? All right. Vectrex. Okay, Vectrex. Or ColecoVision. Ooh. And remember, you have no pants. That's... Well, and and I'm enjoying sauerkraut, but I don't like those other two. No, okay. So I'm I'm sitting there sweaty, pantsless, in a dark, stanky basement. Yep. Pumpkin beer from Trader Joe's. 
I'm going to get... Uh, this is going to be a weird a weird answer. But and Vegemite. Your set, no, thank you. The setup here is very specific to this one. Yeah. I want to say Vectrix because I prefer that console. I think it's awesome. Yeah. But if I'm in a dark, stinky basement, if yeah. I turn on my console, I want it to light up the basement so I have light. Right. The Vectrix isn't going to do that. That's it's true. It's got very thin little, highly vibrant on the screen lines, but I want to see color. Yep. So I'm going to go with ColecoVision for that reason alone. All right. ColecoVision it is. What, what was your answer to that question? I would have probably picked ColecoVision. Yeah. The depth of the library, the the CRT glowing in the room. Yeah, that's that's the big part. I prefer um, the Vectrix. Honestly, yeah. if I, you're going to pick a random Vectrix game versus a random Coleco game, I'm going to enjoy the Vectrix one. So you say you prefer the Vectrex as a system, but the library too? I mean, I know there's yeah. a couple of games you love, like the like Vector Pilot and and Mindstorm and some of the it other ones. They all feel so good Okay, on the system. Yeah, I know I prefer the Vectrex. Okay. There you go. There you go. My question is similar, actually, because it's about adjusting brightness. Okay. Now, I should have asked this last month when we were doing horror-type game yes. type things with the Halloween and, and all. Yep. But... Be honest. I will. When you put on typically a more modern game, yep, like uh, Resident Evil or uh, I don't know what other game, scary game. Yes, you're gonna play. Mm-hmm. They all start nowadays with a screen that says, "Please adjust your screen so that the logo in the center is barely, barely visible." Barely visible. Yeah, I, I know. I've seen that. Do you times. do that, or do you crank up the contrast at that point so you can see the heck out of that logo? I will be <laughs> honest with you. I, I don't crank it up to the maximum, but I do crank it up well be- well above what you're supposed to see. Yep. I do I the do. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, what's your reasoning behind that? I, because I'm not really... I need every advantage I can get, mostly, in games, so yeah. I want to be able to see what I see. Yeah. It's not about being afraid or about jump scares or anything like that. It's just about I want to be able to see what's coming. And, and let's let's say the total dark is zero and a hundred is totally light and they start off at 50 and they make you adjust. I usually don't go to a hundred. I usually go to like, you know, 60, 75, 70. 80. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd never go maximum, but because it looks weird. But no, I um, do the same thing. But I, I just need every advantage I can get usually. So <laughs> I, I go with that. So gotcha. Well, yep. here's the show information. Uh, if you want to hop on our website, pixelguiden.com, we're on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. You can find Eric at the project. That's D U H project. I'm oddball49, O D D B A 1149. And you can talk to our boy over the pond, Tim Drew, at Sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Uh, we'd love if you guys could review us on iTunes. That helps get our show listed higher up the uh, rankings, um, which means like a written review. Um, again, you can talk about um, how you have a secret crush on Eric and you don't want to admit it mm. directly to him, but you want to put it through a review and hope he sees it. Feel free to do so on iTunes or any, any uh, podcast uh, catcher aggregator whatever you call those things whatever it is um but itunes i think has the most weight to be honest Mm -hmm. um if you want to email us we'd love that we want some feedback we want some ideas for the show we want to hear what you have to say if you want us to read something on the show heck why not uh podcast at pixelguiden.com um more likely to read it if you're one of our patrons aren't we eric that's right and if you we have a patreon account and if you want to support us it is at patreon.com slash Pixel Gaiden, where you can Pixel support Gaiden. exactly where you can support us for one dollar just to say thanks and a little tip, or you could do three dollars, which gets your name announced on this illustrious show. So, what names do you think should be mentioned this month? Well, Eric? let me tell you: Tim Drew, 
T- Jim Tessier. <laughs> Henrik Lulfull. Well done. Roy Fielding. <laughs> Gary Heather. <laughs> Dustin Newell. Newell. <laughs> Daniel James. <laughs> and Josh Malone. Thank you, y'all. And Josh Malone is a new one, um, as well as Daniel James, I believe. Yeah. Um, now, I know both. we've had a uh, conversation with both those guys on Twitter. Yes, um, we have. And uh, actually, we received some beer. Yes, we did. That was Daniel, was it not? That was Daniel James. So and we appreciate f- that. And then Josh helped me out on multiple um, computer requir- repair questions, specifically he, with my Macintoshes. He is a very, very good resource to use on Twitter for any kind of repair work. Uh, I've He's helped me with Model 100, Model 102 on TRS-80s, like the little portable machines. So we'll call him Josh. Get the damn batteries out, Malone. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. So thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. Speaking of beer... Uh-oh. It's time for us to get our beer on. However, yeah, um, very special. Our boy John is no longer here with us for this episode, so nope. he can't bring us any more beer. Uh, we would like to thank John again for uh, last episode's beers. Yeah. Um, however, a large box came in from our co-host, mm-hmm. our uh, partner in crime, Tim Drew. Yeah. And you always know something comes from Tim because it's wrapped in this very industrial future was eight foot tape. Yeah. Um, now, the stuff in this box, we actually knew most of it was coming, um, but there's a few surprises in here, um, so we will get to the contents of this box later, Yes, but there are four beers in here, there are four which beers. we want to get to right away, and I don't remember what they were. He asked us a few months ago which ones we wanted to try. Uh, let's see if we can remember which are ones of these. Different? Let me see here. We're kind of opening them as we go here. We already have them unwrapped, but we wanted to... Oh, oh that one's the one I wanted to try. Yeah, these are all different, and I don't know how you want to do this. If we're going to try different ones, or you want to split? No, we got to split them. Okay. Um, hopefully, you have a beer opener. I, I uh, Yes. So I he asked do. us which ones we wanted. Show us a, a picture. Um, the first one here is one that I remember Eric wanted, and it is... So these are... Let's see here. The first one here is called... Malty Ruby Red Bitter. It's Ruby by, oh wow, how do you say that? Y E O V I L Ales. Yovel Ales? It's probably. Sounds good. It's probably pronounced Ol. Lot of Foggin. Lot of Foggin. No. Um, that was the wrong That's the Swedish chef. Uh, Glastonbury Real Ale Thriller, which is a rare cappuccino porter. So these were your two choices, if I remember correctly. Cappuccino porter. I don't even remember, but I think so. Yeah, sure. Because I'll remember my two. I was very... I was like, you know what? Those sound good. Okay. But there's two other ones in the picture. I'm like, I have no idea what those are going to taste like, and I have to give them a shot. Yep. One here is also by Glastonbury. Yep. uh, Which is where they hold the big music festival every year, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some friends in England that go to that, and I am a little jealous. It's huge. Makes Woodstock look like a joke. (laughs) Um, But it's called a real ale. Lady of the Lake, deliciously Ooh. malty, 4.2% alcohol by volume, but deliciously malty ale. So, I like malt. That sounded interesting. This is one I'm really curious about. The Wild Beer Company. It is called Sourdough. It's a Hobbs House Sourdale, sour, Sourdale, Sourdough Culture and Oak Barrel Fermentation. Drink wildly different. The Wild Beer Company. Sourdough Ale. It's actually only 3.6%. That's not bad. Which might be a good idea. Exactly, after <laughs> since, what we did last... Since, uh, since our 
last episode, which we, uh, you know, breaking the fourth wall, we, we were finished about a half hour ago. Yeah. Uh, we just downed a 10% beer. Um, Want to start with the sourdough? Sure. I'm, I'm very curious about this. Sorry to bogart the uh, nope. the beer Let's choice start here. start that first. And then we'll go with one of yours next. Okay. I've got two fresh frosty cold glasses here. And thank you for, for for Tim for sending these. They were wrapped very well. They all survived. Everything survived. Yeah. I'm not sure about the legality of sending beer in the mail, but hey, we've had no issues yet. I don't. So feel free to send all the beer and alcohol and... <laughs> Whatever Not, else you want to send. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, it's a little a very odd colored beer. If a little baggy shows up, we'll still be appreciative. That, I don't know if we're going to partake. That you called one right. There you go. Um, no erotic because we did that the first episode. Next on my list here, we're going to start catching up here. So while Eric pours those beers, let's go ahead and catch up. Catching up with Eric and Cody. All right. I'm going to go ahead and smell this bad boy. Yeah. Ooh, that smells interesting. Oh, Jim. Woo. Jim? Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were saying Jim like a basketball gym. Let's cheers this. It's only cheers. half a beer, so. Oh, that is unique. Sourdough ale. <laughs> I'm just watching you at this point. Now I'm going to take a sip, so you better start talking. Ooh, Ooh, something kicked you at the at the rear end there. Yeah, that's got a unique flavor to it. That's for sure. It's not bad at all. It's interesting. Um, it's like it's how do you? It's aggressively bland. Is that a thing? Oh, I don't know about bland. That that that's you know, like, not bland to me. It's at a all. whole lot of nothing at the same time. I don't know how to explain that. It's it, it's got a tartness to it. Um, it's uh, it's tart it, up it's front. It's a sour kind of tart flavor. What's interesting Tim, is it. Did just, you try this thing? Because this this is unique. The Wild Beer Company Sourdough Hobbs House Sourdough Culture Oak Barrel Fermentation. This this is this is unique. Yeah, which is, is what I wanted. So yeah, I'm yeah. actually very happy about it. Regardless of my overall opinion, maybe. We'll see here. I'm going to take a picture of it for posterity here. Man. I love how beer can actually still surprise us. Yeah. I'm going to put you in I mean, the there's so many. I, lately, I've had so many beers that I'm like, really? That's... Like, you can tell it's beer, but really, that, that exists, you know? Yeah. I mean, this That's, doesn't taste like a what I would envision in my head as a UK beer. You know what I mean? It's like a... I don't know what to even explain. Uh, this is new to me. This is cool. That's yep. what I love about it. It has the color of lemonade. It actually has a little bit of a tartness of lemonade. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, tart bland. <laughs> Sorry, I keep saying bland. I don't know how to explain it. It's not... Yeah, I don't think... It, I, I wouldn't describe it as bland, but it it is interesting. If you've ever um, walked through a brewery, mm-hmm. there's like a a fermentation smell going on. There is, it's, yeah. It tastes very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Mixed with lemonade. Yeah. I don't know where the lemon's coming from, but... Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, it doesn't say lemon or anything like that at all. Oh, that is so cool. Wow. All right. Enough. Cool. Enough. There was absolutely no head on this beer, by the way, I noticed, when you poured it. There is not in... There's a whole story on the bottle. Read it. I'm curious. All right. Let me see if I can get my old eyes adjusted here. <laughs> and then your trifocals? You need me to get exactly. those out of your your purse for you? <laughs> Please. Your man purse? Please. 
Beer and bread have been showing off the magic of yeast for thousands of years. Oh, the magic of yeast. So we decided to combine the two, the old, the new, the contemporary ideas, the historical techniques and ingredients all combined together to make it a very special beer. So special. Five, well, six months before we even had a brewery, we started talking to Tom Harbert about the Hobbs house bakery's 58 year old sourdough yeast and whether we could use it to ferment a beer oh so they could so that's what they did yeah so this is like an old yeast strain that's been yep passed down tom was excited we were excited and it goes on and on but that's crazy that explains that explains uh i mean it's kind of a yeasty bready so this is more or less a beer that has been like year, hundreds of years in the creation here. Correct. We're en- we're enjoying something from hundreds of years ago. Yes. I actually like it. Yeah. As we keep sipping at the same time and creating awkward silence. Yeah, you have to keep smelling it. It white. has a strange smell to it. It's musky. Yeah. Dude, right. that is unique. That is so weird. So All right, we, let's rate it. On to? Let's rate that bad boy first. Oh, okay. Are you at the point where we want to rate it? Sure. Out of, um, see, an Arnold Palmer is half yeah. tea and half lemonade. That's true. This is half fermentation smell, half lemonade. That's right. So out of um, 60 musty lemons. 60 musty lemons. You go. Uh, you want me to go first? Sure. Out of 60, I would give it a 42. 42 musty lemons. Okay. See, I don't know if it's just the uniqueness of it, but again, it's an, I'm loving it. It's so different. Yep. And it does, I guess it's kind of a sour. I mean, it's sourdough, but... I would say it's a sour, it's for got, sure. It's a sour yeah. kind, but it's not a, like any other sour I've had. Mm. Hmm. I love it. I'm going to give it a 52. Right on. I really like it. Cool. That is cool. All right. Um. Well, we already played the sound effects, so I guess we're catching up. Yep. Weird. Eric, remember that one time? Yeah. <laughs> when I, when you and I both went to uh, Emmy West 2019 in Sacramento, California, like a few weeks back? I do remember. Well, that just happened. Yeah. And uh, that was cool. Eric and I went to our kind of first uh, retro show together. Yep. What'd you think? I liked it. I mean, I we met a lot of really cool people, um, including Doug from uh, 10, 10 Minute, Minute Amiga Retrocast. Yes. Met him, very cool guy. We saw the typical guys from the Sacramento Amiga Computer Club. They're um, anything but typical, Eric. Exactly. Uh, well, I, I met usual guys, I guess. Um, <laughs> regulars. The regulars. Um, but uh, the only thing I was disappointed with with a- Amy West was that there were the two vendors that agreed to show up didn't show up. Amiga on the lake, and um, that's true. But where's positivity, Eric? Why would you start with I, such well, a negative? Well, because that's what I was really looking forward to. I was I wanted to buy some Amiga I, stuff. I was too. Well, actually, there was some stuff for sale. The club was selling a lot of their old stuff, which yeah. I actually had a lot of fun digging through. Yeah, um, and I bought some stuff. Yeah, yeah, we both did. We'll get to that just in a second. But you're right. It was you. you kind of told me how how small it was previously, mm-hmm. and I guess it is growing kind of along with the Amiga community. Um. I learned a few things, and uh, I would suggest you guys, actually, if you have any interest in this show and what happened there, um, Doug from the 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast just released episode 44, which is the Ami West 2019 report, um, and he kind of goes over literally every table that was there, the mm-hmm. people that were there, 
Um, I was a little jealous. He got he was there for a few days, and he had a lot of um, hangout time with these people, kind of outside of the uh, convention hall there. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I feel I, I feel gutted um, just because we able we were able to enjoy a beer with him and hang out and talk about a few things. Uh, and we started looking around the rest of the show, and just for whatever reason, things kept happening where he was busy with somebody or we got busy doing something. Yep. And uh, we really wanted to uh, spend some time with him, have a few more beers, and get to know each other better. And that ended up not happening. Um, we did go to the uh, banquet afterwards, which you have to get tickets for. Yeah. Um, the banquet was uh, provided by a local catering company called Hannibal's here in Sacramento. Yeah. Um, which I have a whole story about that. You've heard it, but it's hilarious. Um but nonetheless, uh, the banquet, for me, was kind of a bust. I'll get to that in a second as well. Yeah. Um, we got to meet a few people at our table, but uh, you know, some of the people, again, we were really excited to, to talk to Doug since we were friends on Twitter and stuff, or some of the guys from the group, the local group. Yeah. They weren't at our table. We met a few people, um, which is cool. Um, but then once the banquet, uh, we were done eating, the panel started. It ended up being a little slow. Um, Doug enjoyed it. Apparently yeah. from his video, and, and it is uh, posted on the internet somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, again, watch uh, uh, 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast video on it to get that link. Yeah. Um, Doug did a few uh, presentations. Uh, we were able to catch one. We were just there on a Saturday for four hours, and then the banquet, Yeah, really. I'd say that's about right. Where, realistically, this event went for like five days. Yeah. Um, apparently, Friday was classic Amiga Day. And this is really where the divide... You knew about this divide, and I didn't. Yeah. So this is where I learned something. Um, I went there all excited just to learn all about Migas and what, you know, I know everyone wasn't just in the games like I am, uh, but what people did with them, the video toaster, Doug does all kinds of things with uh, uh, going online with it and making pictures with it and um, doing editing and just trying to use it even in modern times. In fact, that was his, his presentation that we saw uh, using the classic Amiga, Amiga in modern times. And I saw some few things there that were kind of like these newer machines, and I didn't know much about them, yeah. didn't think much about it. And then by the time we had left, I realized there's really kind of two Amiga camps. There's the classic guys, which I guess right. we would fall into. Yep. And then there's people pushing for this new OS, which is a brand new, like, I was trying to get a feel for it. I guess they want to compete with con- PCs, or they want it to, there's things about it that are better than PCs or Macs, or I don't, I don't really know. At least equivalent, yeah. Yeah. And uh, maybe hardware-wise or maybe OS-wise, but I think they have a lot of software that needs to be made before that were were to become a thing. I don't know. Um, So I was really kind of lost in trying to figure out where the whole Mega scene is. So I I feel there's a divide there, and I don't feel there's any angst necessarily. It's just uh, some of the people, even in the SACC, are either on one side or the other, which kind of became apparent to me. Yeah. so kind of bummed that we didn't show up on a Friday and see the classic night because that's really where my interests were. Yeah. Um, but everyone was really nice there, and uh, Brian, who is the president of the club currently, he's definitely, def- I think, a, one of the newer Mega Four OS Four Point One or whatever it is guys. Right. Um, but he still had some classic Amiga stuff he was showing off, and um, he enjoyed both sides. Um, but yeah, I ended up buying a few things there, and uh, so did you. Yep. Um. And I talked to the club members, and I actually have a uh, another item coming as well. Uh, but I dug through their stuff, and uh, there was a you know some old copies of Amiga games, um, a whole bunch of textbooks and stuff. And it sounds like uh, Doug ended up getting the lion's share of it when it was all done, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, because what they didn't sell, it sounds like they gave him, which that's that's awesome for him. 
um, if anyone's going to use this stuff and actually enjoy it, that's it Doug's the guy. So that's right. That's really cool for him. Yep. I ended up with a pair of Commodore A10 speakers. Yeah. Just these small little speakers. Uh, you could. I didn't have. It didn't come with an adapter, but you could put in uh, two CC or two size C batteries in them and turn them on and, and run them. So that's how I'm doing it right now. Um, but yeah, they work and they're Commodore branded. And uh, I thought they were really cool looking. At least, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how they. they I'm sure they're as uh, at least as good as any PC speaker you're going to pick up. They're '90s PC speakers, but yeah. they say Commodore on them. They say A10, so they kind of have a numbering scheme. And yep, I thought that was cool. Um, and then I also I never mentioned this last time, but the club also sold me a, a 1080 monitor, Amiga monitor. Yeah, which was cool because the 1080 was sold, I believe, originally with the A. 1000, the first Amiga, okay, which doesn't say Commodore anywhere on it. Now, I'm sure everyone out there is going to correct me on this, and it's going to become a Rada next month, but I don't believe it was Commodore at that point. I think Amiga was its own thing, or it was in transition of Commodore taking it over or buying it. Yeah, maybe. Um, but my, my A10 monitor works great, does PAL, does NTSC, and um, yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool stuff. That's really cool. And you picked up some things. Yeah, I just I grabbed a 1084 um, Commodore monitor. Um, it it's not the 1084s, so it doesn't have stereo speakers. But uh, it I bought it mainly to work with my Commodore 128, and it works. I tried it. I found the cable there after digging through boxes of cables. We did some research and grabbed yeah. the wrong one a couple times, and yep. finally figured it out. Yep, and it works perfectly exactly what i wanted which is 80 column color and 40 column regular commodore 64 mode uh works great i have a cable on order that will allow me to plug my amiga into it so uh hopefully that'll be here for next month's review uh but that's that's the thing i got that's the only thing i bought there though yeah i was thinking about they had the scuzzy to sd yep which Guys I bought there? the last of Ami West. I bought that in the, the 2019 Ami West or 20, 2018. I'm sorry, 2018 Ami West. I considered getting one of those, funnily enough, actually for a Mac, though. Yeah, but and, and they, work, they work great. So, you know, it'll be there. They're, they're not that, those aren't that hard to get. So Jerry was doing a games competition. So every day he had a different game up. Yeah. Uh, Jerry from SACC. And uh, I hopped in and wanted to do Pixel Guide and Proud. And put up a winning score, and it was leading most of the day I was there. And then I could tell, as soon as I saw this guy sit down, it was like 10 minutes until the show was over. And I'm like, oh, he's sniping in at the last second to make sure whatever the score was, he would beat it. Um, In fact, I saw him go in there a few minutes earlier and not get a great score. He left. He must have done some research on the game or something. Yeah. Because then I went by and saw him there right at the end, and he was doing, like, secrets and stuff. Like, there was hidden platforms you can't see. They're invisible. He was bouncing on and getting all the points. Oh, man. Yeah. So he totally hopped in there. And I guess he won the the one the day before as well. Uh, But he popped in a score about 8% better than my score. Um, and of course, I signed my name, Cody Pixel Guide in. Yeah. Hoping they'd announce it. They did say, they they did mention I got second, but. Yeah. It was really cool because Jerry's kids apparently made the 3D model of the trophy and yeah. 3D printed it. Yeah. And each game had a different trophy based on what the game was. So yeah. they had the little trap runner guy. It was really cool. That's cool. Any other highlights for you from Amy West? Uh, no, it was just cool seeing Doug. I The, the checkmate. Uh, <coughs> yeah, Doug brought the checkmate. 1500. Ch- checkmate, checkmate, which is a case for an Amiga. If you have an Amiga 500, you can drop it into a big box kind of case. 
um, and the keyboard. You can actually most drop... amigos actually fit in that yeah. case. Yep. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I liked. Uh, I thought Doug's presentation on pulling Amigas into the modern world, like doing web browsing and stuff, was really interesting. I mostly enjoyed watching it crash on him, the and then he medication. thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, it was pretty neat. <laughs> it's what Amigas do. I mean, they crash every once in a while, so you just got to kind of roll with it. Uh, but other than that, it was just nice talking to everybody and just hanging out. I, I thought it was a fun event. Yeah, I'll go back. Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to the next meeting. I want to see those the guys from SACC when they're not in uh, planning mode. Yeah. So, uh, and then I also do have a beat on them with a A2000. Yeah. So that will most likely be my next Amiga. That would be fun. Because I need more Amigas in my life. Exactly. <laughs> Which uh, brings us to our next event. We did two events this month, Eric. Yeah, I know. It was a busy month. Yeah, so this one uh, kind of came around without a whole lot of us saying much about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was kind of a, I don't know, I, I, I go into these things not knowing what to expect. So I, I didn't know that if it was going to be like us just sitting there with nothing to do for two or three hours, or if there would be people that were interested in what we were doing. And since it was at a it was at a, a place called Gamers Lounge in Elk Grove, which is where we live, mm-hmm. which isn't a isn't a huge suburb. I mean, it's a uh, I guess it's a pretty good sized suburb of Sacramento. There's 170 thousand people here now. Eric. Yeah, that's, that's a true. good chunk of people. So, yep. So this is a modern gaming place called uh, Gamers Lounge. Um, just a lot of like uh, modern consoles: PS4s, Xbox One, Switches, PCs. Yeah, a lot of yeah, exactly, a lot of PCs. Um, so I, I didn't know what, if it was going to be a hit or not. So I went into it kind of like thinking, well, it'll be fun to go and just see what the thing out. But there was quite a few guys came by. I mean, probably six, seven, eight guys. So essentially what it was is our buddy Glenn from Legacy Legacy Games, Toys and Games in Elk Grove, which sells retro stuff as well as some new stuff. Um, we've kind of gotten to know him just going in there and trying to buy things from him instead of online if possible. Yep. And uh, he invited us, since uh, we were able to leave his cards and kind of advertise our podcast there, he invited us to do this event with him, because he was trying to help out a buddy at this thing, and to kind of hold an off night, because they're normally not open on a Monday. And uh, he wanted to see if uh, we would be interested in showing up there, so sure enough, he put our, our logo on the flyer and said the guys from Pixel Gaiden will be there. Um, and so we showed up, we brought a few games, uh, so people could play, do a little high score thing, which was a blast. Um, I brought a Commodore 64, and we are primarily playing uh, C64 Anibalt on yeah. that. Yeah, which um, was a hit. Uh, you brought your arcade, your MAME uh, countertop arcade, and yep. you were playing our, one of our favorites, Time Pilot. Time Pilot, yep. Which went over well. And the last one, which actually went over the least well. <laughs> the least, uh, which, honestly. which I thought would be the most popular. Yeah, yeah. I brought my NES on a uh, Commodore uh, 1702 monitor. And uh, plugged in a one of the carnival games from Japan, which is a little shmup game, and uh, that's called Starship Hector. It's a little two-minute score attack shmup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had three different winners on three different machines. Uh, if I remember correctly, we had uh, my new buddy Joel, is how he pronounced the name. I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, he won the 60, C64 Anibal. He got like 4,000-something, which is literally like double what I can do on that game. Right. Uh, it's a single-button game. You're just jumping over things. Uh, Time Pilot, Glenn, actually, from Legacy Games, won that one. Yeah. Um, I want to say 68,000. 
points. Um, that one was really popular. People kept trying to... I actually... I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I actually wouldn't put the first score on all these machines, so there was something to shoot for. Yeah. Uh, quickly got destroyed on the other two, but on Time Pilot, I... I I've played a lot of that, so I, I put up a, a score that was a little too high. So it was, um, I don't think it ever officially got beat, but Glenn was right there when he lost his last ship, and I'm not going to take, you know, I, that would have been a cheap move. So Glenn was the best score on there out of all the uh, contenders. Yeah. Um, and then, although I got nowhere near Eric's score, <laughs> which was already on that machine. Which was already right on the, the machine, which is yeah. like 137,000, yeah. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, Starship, Starship Hector was, uh, Trey won that one. Yeah. So, yeah, we had about eight guys that were really over there with us, hanging out and playing those things. Yeah. And uh, a few kids hopped over from time to time and played one or two things. And, uh, one of my favorite quotes was they asked about Starship, Hep- Starship Hector. And I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, the Nintendo came out in like 19, 19- he's like, what, how old is this thing? Like, like 1985 is when the Nintendo came out. So maybe 87. Yeah. It's like, what? Like it blew his mind. He's like, yeah. this one's from, he kept saying 82. I'm like, no, 87, but old. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah. it's old. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool, but we had a good time and, uh, I guess, you know, he wants to try to do it again. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, while we were at the event, Eric, things are coming full circle here. That day, I got a package, yes. which we already mentioned. We already opened a beer from it, but I brought it in that day so we could open it there at the show because I was too excited. I couldn't wait. Yeah, exactly. So we were opening the box with during the dead times when, yep. when people were looking around. and There's a couple things in there you and I knew we were going to get. Yeah, well, this, start... is, this is from our buddy Tim Drew. There's a couple things in here we weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start, and there's one in here for each of us. Yeah. I'm going to start with a... Box each of Yorkshire tea malty biscuits. Ooh. Taste like tea and biscuits. Wow. So there's that. I don't I honestly don't know what to think about that yet. I'm I'm eager to try it though. I'm appreciative and I'm eager to try it and learn is that is that like a standard thing? Is that what uh is that like the standard tea biscuit? I I would say that those would probably be that, right? I would assume that much. So yeah. uh we're not doing tea and biscuits during our podcast right now, but we appreciate that. This one I'm legitimately excited about. Yes. Uh, Eric, uh, Eric has one. I have one here. But Tim sent these last time. Yep. And rekindled my love for these. Uh, we don't have crunchies over here in the States, but it's made by we Cadbury. Don't. Yeah. We each got a little four-pack of crunchies. Get that Friday feeling. Tim sent me a video, a YouTube video, of the commercial for this thing. Yeah. It's atrocious. Is it really? Get that Friday feeling. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. Y'all have to... Sh- send it over to you but crunchies are these delicious like light honeycomb with chocolate covered oh they're so good so good in and fact we don't last have time anything like it well last time you sent me one of these i immediately went on amazon and bought a 12 pack because mm-hmm. i found amazon did send them and yeah. i and i ate those 12 in like oh, about 12 days yeah. i pretty much had one a day and i i bought the there's a different brand that has honeycomb with chocolate around it like it uh uh what is it cost plus okay and it's okay. It's good. It's just not as good as those. Yeah. The crunchies are the best. Crunchies are really good. Oh, right, look, at, look this. at this one. He's wooing us with this boxes is, of candy. I know. Tim, what are you trying to do? Um, look at that. Here is your Cadbury Dairy Milk Oof. Classic Collection. That's look right. Anytime that. I receive desserts in a collection, that's saying something. 
I'm literally going to just open it all the way up here. Are you? This looks like uh, straight out of the Willy Wonka factory. Oh, man. Look at that. Uh, I want to see if I have the golden ticket here. We have four full-size, and when I say full-size, I'm not talking about American chocolate full-size. I'm talking about full-size candy bars. Uh, it comes with a Cadbury's Dairy Milk Milk Chocolate, Cadbury's Whole Nut, which is like hazelnut, it looks like, Cadbury's Caramel, and... Cadbury's Fruit and Nut, which has got to be the least American one out of this bunch here. Yeah, I would say so. Fruit and Nut. What kind of fruit is in this? Looks like the picture looks like a, almost like a... What do you call those? Uh, like, I don't know, boysenberries or so, little... Are like, those... Uh, um, cranberries? Are those... Are these might be the um, the berry that we don't have here in America anymore because in the logging industry, they, they got rid of them hmm. and they were actually like banned. Yeah. Uh, what is it called? I'm totally blanking on the name of it right now. Um, D's nuts. <laughs> got him. Um, <laughs> so here's what's funny about this. I'm gonna look up the name of that because I gotta look it up. It's Cadbury's fruit and nut, right? Fruit and nut. Yeah. I'm looking on the back. Let me read you the content. The contents contains milk and almonds. Yeah. May contain other nuts and wheat. Where's the fruit? <laughs> There's no fruit in there, bro. <laughs> Where's the fruit in the fruit and nut bar? Like in America, you have to have every single ingredient down to the .01% of, like, pectin you put in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try these. This looks awesome. They all have the exact same... Hold on. Caramel contains milk, may contain nuts and wheat. All right. I want one of these crunchies right now. Hey, we already talked about how well that works on audio podcasts. Yeah, that's true. But feel free. All right, two more fun little things what do we got? that showed what do we up got? in what here do we oh. that, we, that we were not expecting. We can't eat these. We, can, we could try. We could try. Might yeah. make for a good podcast. Uh, we just have a game here. I'm just here. I'll, I'll let you read that one. M S R M. It's written in Sharpie. Yep. And right uh, on the circuit board, and on the label on the outside, but it is the shape of a Commodore 64 cartridge. So I'm going to assume this means Ms. Rodman. I would assume you're correct. Yes. In fact, he uh, he did affirm that. Yeah. Um, I'm holding a... It, and these are completely see-through cartridges with just the motherboard inside. Yep. And mine is a VIC-20 cartridge. And on the motherboard, the letters C and K are visible on the front. But on the back, it says Nibbler 43DF. Nice. Um, Nibbler, which was so, one of your favorites. I, well, it never controlled quite right for me, but I need to work on it. But I do love the aesthetic and the way it, it moves on the yeah. Vic-20. But yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. Um, so this is all part of their new 99, £9.99 99 line. Yeah. Where the games are either 9 bucks or 9 uh, quid, right? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, hey. 14 quid or yeah. 19 quid, depending on sure. you know your build-out. Uh, but he told me told me these are prototypes. Oh, so, so cool. We I, got we got prototypes. And I liked Rodman, so I'm really interested in Ms. Rodman. Ms. Rodman, yeah. There you go. I actually haven't played Miss Rodman yet. I've played Rodman. I, I haven't played Miss Rodman either. Oh, we're gonna have to plug that in. Yep. So that is awesome, Tim. Thank you so much. So yeah, of course Tim is really awesome. Yep, and we we got a care package coming back your way, I think. We're gonna start throwing something together. Um Yeah, we need to get something shipped that way i've already started collecting things but um yeah we're gonna do that um 
However, the main this package is very large. This is a very large box. Well, There's very... two things in here we have not mentioned yet. Okay. And they are things that you and I acquired from Tim. Yes. Yes, indeed. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. Um, so I I have a ZX Spectrum Plus 2 128K. I imported it years ago, probably four years ago now, four or five years. And um, I love it. It's great. But I wanted the iconic 48K dead flesh rubber key <laughs> ZX I don't Spectrum. I like the dead flesh. You don't God, like that one? I love this keyboard. I think it's great. Now, yeah. if you're going to try to type a Word document, yeah. it'd be awful. I mean, there's no space bar, right? So, That's I mean, there's space, space button. There's a space button on the other side. Um, but I wanted one because it's it saves in desk real estate frankly so i mean i i literally put it like this wedged in between two other things i like pull it out it's all hooked up i'm i'm ready to play um and so tim was kind enough to find me one and actually install the composite mod on it yeah so it is a zx spectrum 48k and it worked perfectly out of the box i think it's so cool it's beautiful um you know it it it's as it, it works great I mean, it's not much more to say. Works very well. I've I've played it. I've played several games on it. Works well. Very cool. So, what did you get? Well, I already got the ZX Spectrum 48K from Tim a while back, you which is my intro back. into Spectrum. I've never had one before that. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> now, as you guys might have, I've heard me talk in the past. I have an Amiga 500, mm-hmm. and I do love the Amiga, but I have the hardest time getting things running on it. It's huge. I rarely pull it out, but when I do, it stays out for a long time because it takes so much time and effort and peripherals and desk space and yep. uh, to get things running on it. And I just really I haven't played that many games just because there's so many barriers to entry for me. Yeah. So the A600 is a system that we really didn't get in the States, I don't think, at all. No, they had, they had it here. Did they have it? Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't never, popular. It was not popular. So it didn't sell a ton, but... They, so, they, they'd have it here. So essentially, you know, I'm going to really dumb this down. The A600 was a much smaller form factor A500 that could also accept hard drive. Had, you can put a hard drive in it, essentially. Yeah. And boot up from a hard drive and load things off a hard drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it didn't have much more power than the A500. It was more just a kind of a model change and it gave you the hard drive feature yeah it was originally supposed to be a cost reduced amiga but the commodore and infinite wisdom kept you know they they added the ability to have the hard drive inside and etc etc it didn't end up being the budget thing it should have been yeah so it didn't sell well but it it lacks the number key the number pad on the side okay which a lot of people in america really didn't like i don't think people in uk liked it that much either because a lot of games support the number pad oh um a lot of games require the number pad so they didn't like it that much and it didn't sell well here but it sold better there better there in the uk yeah so i actually talked online with pixel vixen about this Mm because she's very well acquainted she's like our doug overseas she knows a ton about the amigas and um she mentioned how she loves it, but mm-hmm. even though it was much maligned, is how she put it, yep. when it first came out. And I asked, I'm like, why? Like, I don't understand. Tell me why. I didn't realize it came out in, like, 92, mm-hmm. a year before the 1200, which could do a whole bunch more. Yeah. Um, and it was also at a price point that was only $100 less. When the 1200 came out, it dropped $100. The 1200 retook that 399-pound spot. Yeah. And the A600 dropped to only 299 which is still, mm-hmm. you know... For a machine that essentially was a 500, which was created in 85. 
Yeah. They're selling a seven-year-old machine for almost full price. Right. So I guess I get that to a point. But for me, nowadays, this thing is infinitely more usable. So long story short, Tim, Tim sent me one of these. I bought it from him. But he hooked it up. And actually, what's really cool is Pixel Vixen actually came down, uh, Vicky, to his place and actually helped clean that one out as well and set that up. Oh, sweet. So I've got, I didn't know I've that. got both of their love in that machine. Oh, that was great. Um, yeah, so that's really cool. I, you know, I feel starstruck. Yes. You know, Twitter, Twitter famous, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they're both great people. And uh, from from what I've uh, seen of her her work online, she knows a ton about this machine. But yeah, um, what I love about it now is, uh, and when it first came, it didn't work perfectly, unfortunately. Um, so Tim actually, him and I had a phone call for like. 50 minutes. We got it up and running, yep. which is great. Uh, he had it up and running before it left, but I think shaking around and, uh, you know, shipping across the world did something to it. And he also, in order to get it running correctly, um, he gave me a CF card filled with some stuff, um, and he wanted to have WH load on there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too nerdy, but basically it allows you to play games that were only going to be floppy games off a hard drive. Correct. Um, that's the long and short of it, and I'm learning about all this stuff. Yep. Um, but in order to get that to run properly, you have to upgrade the machine a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it comes standard, I believe, with one meg of RAM. So that's uh, been upgraded with another meg. So it's got two meg, mm-hmm. if that's correct. That sounds right. And then uh, he actually had me buy an over-the-chip accelerator that, has, that gets me up to four megs of fast RAM. Right, and that's not even an accelerator technically. It's not a chip accelerator. Sorry, it, yeah, it's just a it's just a memory upgrade, but it goes it just pops over the processor because there's no other way to add that kind of RAM. You literally push it over the top of which, a chip on your board. Yep, which is one of the differences between the six hundred and the twelve hundred. Twelve hundred you could have chip accelerators just plug into the trapdoor plug mm. you know, plug in. Couldn't do that on the six hundred. So you have these over the processor um accelerators, which I've I, I've installed a memory upgrade on mine too, not an accelerator, but a memory upgrade on mine as well. Yeah. So, you let me borrow your A five hundred so I could try to figure A six hundred. Yeah. A six hundred. Yep. And yours fits on there much better. Oh, it does. This one seriously is like spring loaded. You push it on there, and if you sneeze on it wrong, it pops off. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Um, mine, you can lift up the Amiga with it on there. Yeah. No, like that, so that would tight. not happen with this one. Okay. Um, and I, I'm not going to be able to quote where I got where we got it from, but. Long story short, it does stay on there as long as I'm kind of gentle with it. Yeah. I might just drizzle it with hot glue or something to keep it attached. I don't know what else to do. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know about drizzling with hot glue. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> well, I'm trying to find a better way. That yeah, was, yeah. That's what Tim said. He's like, I would have done it if it was mine, but it's yours, so I'm not going to do it. Okay. Well, maybe um, he has a better way to do it. I, I lucked, lucked into buying one where it literally in the description, it was like, this fits tight. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, mine doesn't fit tight. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Anyways, uh... I've only had it up and running for like a day and a half now, and I've already played like as many games as I've ever played on the 500. Oh, that's just great. That's so really what it's to, all about, right? They're so easy to load. They're so easy to yep. quit. Um, yep. The only issue I have is the uh, DB9 port where your your controller plugs in. Yeah. is really close to the floppy drive. Mm-hmm. So my little adapter, the one I like to use, doesn't fit in it. Okay. So I'll either have to like grind the, a metal piece off to make it fit or just try to find a different controller to use. Yeah. But anyways... Right Thank you, Tim. I'm that excited, awesome. and I'm probably going to be ta- playing a ton of Amiga over the next few months because of this. That's great. Yeah. So, the thing I have next is... Oh, did you, br- uh, did you bring this? I did. Because <gasps> I wanted to show it to you. I really want to see this. Yeah, so I got Realms of Quest Five for the VIC-20, 
from Double Sided Games. Yeah. And I wanted to buy, as it, people know, I, I'll buy digital stuff left and right because it's cheaper. But this, I needed to have the physical version. So you I can take al- a look at the box. I almost bought this purely because it was physical. Yep. And no. I have not started playing this game yet because I want to get through some of my backlog on like Bloodstained and some of the other games. Because I want to devote some serious time to this. I love it. Realms of Quest Five for the... And then, of course, in the little orange sticker on here to, to designate which version it is, right? Of course, yep. there's only one version of this game, but... Right. Commodore VIC-20. 30 32K memory expansion required, which comes with the Div MMC feature from the Future Was 8-Bit. That's correct. Five well, recorder- not, not the Div MMC. That's for the VIC-20. The penultimate. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. No, no, that's okay. The penultimate cartridge. The penultimate cartridge. cartridge has the built-in memory, which I have up, to use. Up yep. to 35K. Yep. Uh, five and a quarter inch discs, joysticks supported. When I flip it over on the back, you've got some screenshots here, which are very impressive for the VIC-20. Yeah. Very similar to Ultima 5 or whatever, so go ahead. What happens when I open this, Eric? Just take a look. Are there going to be feelies? There's going to be some feelies. Dude, that is Ultima right there. Yep, so take a look at that map. This is a cloth map, just like the one that Eric showed me from his childhood from Ultima. Yep. And yet, smells of ink. Can you guys <laughs> smell that in the microphone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That is cool. Yep, cloth map. So there's more feelies. That is really cool. Oh, I'm not done. No, you're not done. So there's there the, it is on so five two, and a quarter floppy. And it, since it's from double sided games, two flop five and a quarter inch floppies, both double sided. Both so double four sided. Sides. Gotcha. Yep. Because yep. I, I looked. This one says side A. This one says side C. Yep. This is a uh, Rivaria, which I guess is the world. Side B is underworld. Yep. Side C is the bestiary. And side D is populous. And that's a lot like Ultima Five. Like every side was a different part of the Gosh, world. That's cool. Yep. Now, do you know? Are these discs being made still? Is this mm-hmm. like a new floppy? Y- yep. You can still get new floppies. Yep. Wow. They're not that's the easiest so cool. to find, but you can still find them. There's still more feelies. Look at this coin. So there's a coin from the world. It looks all like Lord of the Rings-like. Yep. Solid little brass coin there. Yep. It's got some heft here. You can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> little got, sticker. Got your double-sided, double-sided game sticker, which I put firmly on the back of my windshield. Yeah. And then, oh, that is a thick manual. Yep. A big, thick manual. Eric, That's my favorite feeling. you got feel a large, all. thick manual here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> Chudley. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <Zangief>. oh, <laughs> Good old Zangief. Good old there. Zangief. Well, yeah. No, this is awesome. It shows you every spell and, like, the damage and all the their D&D charts. And like, you know, all the, all the two-hit charts and all that. I love this. So I'm going to get... I, 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 like, I purposefully haven't played yet because I want to really focus and get into it just like I did back in the day with Ultima 5. So, yeah. So, Double Sided Games released this with these feelings, and I really wanted it, but looking at the game, I just didn't know if I'd be able to get into the game mm-hmm. itself. Sure. But they're coming out with, if I'm not mistaken, something similar, but for the Commodore 64. Oh, okay. And uh, with feelings and everything, and that might be the one I jump into, honestly. Um, this one sold out so quick anyway. I check. The coin. Oh. The quan. Well, maybe I was trying to resell that on eBay for lots of money. Exactly. That, so anyway, is, that that's, is cool. That's that one is of the really cool things cool. I've gotten recently. 
So what do you got I've next? I've been playing uh, my Call of, uh, Call of Cthulhu games. Yes, on the PS4? Well, first of all, I loaded up the one I've never played, which is for PC and for Xbox, the original Xbox. It's called Call of, Thu- Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth, I believe. Okay. And uh, I've always wanted to get the Xbox version, because I knew it was going to go up, because it was kind of Xbox exclusive. Yeah. Um, except for PC. And it, it has been going up, and it basically got out of the realm of realisticness for me. Um, so I just doubt, found it on sale one time on Steam and bought it, and I really wanted to get back into it. Um, my PC couldn't even run it at first, mm-hmm. but now since I've upgraded it about a year ago, I can play it. Okay, good. And I started playing through it, and it's you know it's definitely early 3D. It's kind of um, chunky graphics and stuff, but it definitely was creepy. Okay. And it definitely had the whole Cthulhu Lovecraft vibe of you go into this danky, smelly town on the sea edge, and the people have, you can, can't quite see because they're always looking at you, um, but they kind of have gills on their side, and they're kind of pushing you away. They don't want outsiders near them, and you can tell something's going down. And um, it's basically a, uh, nowadays, I guess you'd call it a walking simulator to a point. Mm-hmm. But you're basically going around trying to find these things, and you can die. I mean, you can get killed. Yeah. Um, you know, eventually uh, you sneak behind some police in the early part of the game, which, of course, the police are also these creatures that okay. are humanoid, but yeah. you can tell something's not quite right. And um, you sneak into, like, an old store. Um, I won't give too much away, but you basically have to get certain things out there while the police are banging, trying to bang the door down. And you have to find a way to get out of there safely, and um, you start losing your sanity, which is very Lovecraftian theme. Yeah. Um, which allows you to see things kind of other people are seeing, or you start getting dizzy, or um, other effects happen. It's really creepy. Um, but I got to a point where I don't know if it was a game or my computer, and this was released in I think 2004, 2005, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I got to a point where I was at an action part where I was trying to run away from some guys, and the more I did it, the slower it would chug to the point where I couldn't, like, I just couldn't. Like, I was doing everything very efficiently, but I just couldn't get away from them. Okay. So I don't know if I needed to reset my computer or whatever, but I just kind of got burnt out there at that point. I really did enjoy the game and I want to keep playing. But at that point, I'm like, you know what? I played enough of this. Let's try the new version. Okay. Which is a different game. Same name, but it's uh, public property now. It's a public domain. Yeah. So anyone can make something called Call of Cthulhu. This new game, for me is really cool. It's awesome. Um, it's definitely, again, kind of a walking simulator. You're more or less playing a story, but there are action parts where you have to do things quick enough. It's very similar to the last game in that respect, but it's creepy. It's eerie. Um, you're trying to figure out what's going down. You can tell something's not right, but you can't put a finger on it, so you start getting clues. Um, you get to these scenes where something's happened, and you can kind of enter investigation mode, and you kind of rebuild it by looking at things, and as you notice things, you'll start seeing, like, see-through, like, ghosts of what happened. Um, I'm about halfway through it, I think, at this point. But it's really cool. You're and that this... last one was on what platform? What, the first one? No, the second one you're playing. The, the late... PlayStation 4. The PlayStation 4, okay. Although they actually just released it for Switch mm-hmm. as well now. So now it's 40 bucks on Switch. Okay. Um, honestly, the, I mean, the graphics, the, the style is really creepy and cool and good. But as far as, like, the resolution, it's not up to, like, a AAA game. Gotcha. It's not that. But it means it's enough to do the trick. Right. Um, and it's cool because you can make choices throughout the game that will affect how the game plays out. 
Gotcha. Like one of your very first choices, you're you're a detective, but you can you've been out off of jobs for a while because you're trying to put your life back together, and you can you sit there and look at a glass of whiskey and you can choose to drink or not. And then when you, if you do make a decision, it just says like in the corner it says like um, like decision made. This will affect your gameplay later. Yeah. You're like oh really? Yeah. And so there's different paths you can go down, but that's cool. I just, the ambient, it's it's. I always see that that game on sale, like at places like you know Best Buy or whatever. If I'd you're like, not really into that theme yeah. or the thing, I could see how the game's not great. I think it it gets like a seven out of ten for most places. Okay, but just the atmosphere, the subject matter, really works for me. Cool. So this one's going to be quick. This is uh, I got a new MSX cartridge called GR8 Net Great Net. Great Net. No, you brought it. Cool. So I wanted to sh- just show you that real quick. Um, the reason I bought it is because it has an Ethernet port on it, and it can connect your MSX to the internet so that you can yeah, I see that go to BBSs. You can connect to um, places on the internet where they house your um msx rom so you can literally load up a rom from the internet instead of having to have it on the sd card gotcha but that also includes which i didn't really read up on this there's an sd card slot on the top yeah it works just as well as the mega flash rom that we got really it's the same kind of deal you can load up roms disk images whatever you want it's it's definitely not as user friendly, and I know that sounds weird because the other one's not that user friendly. It's not terrible. But it's not terrible. Once you but, taught me how to use it, at yeah. Least. But that one is not that user friendly, but it works, and it and it has all the mappers. It can load all the ROMs, the Konami ROMs, all that stuff. It has all the enhanced sound chips. It has lineout headphones. Yep, it has line-out for headphones as well as stereo sound. You can just plug that into a better st- stereo system. Yep, there's the SCC chip, math pack. Yep. So it is like the cartridge we got, but it has a lot more. Ethernet allowing you to connect to cloud services for MSX so that you can download ROMs over the Internet. It's it's pretty slick. So I've been using it as an ANSI terminal. How much something like that run? That one was a little over two hundred bucks. It's twelve thousand okay. nine hundred rubles. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, That's straight from Russia. Twelve thousand nine hundred. So you paid rubles. that much to hop on the internet, basically. I did. Or BBCs. It's kind of my thing. I every eight bit machine, sixteen bit machine, I have to get on the connected to the internet and somehow. That's Just crazy. a little glitch I have in my brain. Oh, what time is it? Ten forty-five. As the time of this recording. Yeah. The reason I asked that. Yeah. Is I may or may not have another catching up item to discuss. Okay. Checking my email. Uh oh. What are we looking? Got my bid confirmation. Oh yeah, I support that. Did I win this thing? Did you? Only time will tell. Uh, Refresh. Oh, it hasn't ended yet. I'm sorry. Oh, how long do we have to go? Oh, it ends tomorrow. What? Well, uh, I guess I'll let you know next time. Wah, wah, wah. So I just, uh, I, you're not going to tell me what it is? It's a, it's a Timex Sinclair 1000. Oh, <laughs> cool. I, going for pretty cheap, so yeah, it'd be cool to have it. It would be cool Plug to it in, it. play with it, poke on it. Put it I, I have a little something about that. Ooh. Kind of. A little bit, little bit later in this episode. Interesting. Well, I'm excited. Um, I want to catch you guys up really quick on the 
Coco. Did we talk about this already? Hobby ROMs? Yeah. No. They pulled through. Okay. So what, um, is that? what does that mean? So last time we talked, I got a Coco 3 in the meantime. Yeah. Um, which can play all Coco stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still fighting with my Coco 2, and I said, I will get this thing working. Yeah. Uh, I did confirm with uh, Steven at Hobby ROMs that uh, when we put the, I say we because I we both work, working together to figure it out, put the ROM together because it has two ROMs on one, two images on one ROM. Yeah. Uh, he didn't realize this because he's not a cocoa nerd. He just makes ROMs. He burns ROMs to eat ROMs and sells them. Yeah. Um, you can put them backwards because the system, depending on how you jumper it, can read one or the other. Okay. Long story short, I don't want to get too technical here. Uh, wrote him up, and in a heartbeat, he's like, oh, I see that now. You can put them backwards. I'm burning you a new one and sending it in the mail. Okay. So he, I have two now. One's built wrong. But he went ahead and sent me the other one, no charge to me. Plugged it in, it works. So my, my Coco 2 is 100% up and running. That's awesome. And so I want to go ahead and give a shout-out to Hobby Roms. He did a great <coughs> job, Stephen. He's out of Canada, so it does take a little while to get stuff... Yeah. Um, but he'll burn you a ROM, whatever ROM you need, on whatever chip you need, and send it to you. I'll have to keep that in mind, because uh, I don't have an EEPROM burner, and I don't really care to buy one. I mean, if I need something, it just would be nice to have a resource to burn one for me. Yeah. Cool. So, that happened. Right on. I wanted to mention that on the Switch, I bought the game Xenocrisis. Uh, I remember I mentioned that like a year ago. It looked so good on the Genesis. It was supposed to be coming out. Actually, yep. I think it was Neo Geo mm-hmm. and Genesis, if I yep. remember correctly. Yeah, so I bought the one on Switch because the dual stick, I love dual stick. This is like a, kind of a Smash TV arena. Yeah, it looked so good. Shooter and it's um it's a game that has upgrades. You can upgrade your weapon, you can go around and collect dog tags so that you can buy stuff in the shop. So I mean it's much more than just a Smash TV kind of arena oh, cool. shooter. Yeah, kind of had action RPG elements to it too. Yep, and even though I have it on the Switch it is going to be it is I think now available for Mega Drive/Genesis. It's going to be out for I think what was it Dreamcast? It's one Dreamcast, of those. Yeah. It's Dreamcast, yeah. yeah. Um it, it it is a really cool game. So I mean it is I really want the Genesis version. Yeah. But with the three button pad, I can't see how that would work. With the three-button um, pad, it's horrible. You'd have to plug in a six-button six pad. Gotcha. And in that, you use four, four buttons, buttons and a diamond. Four buttons left, right. Yep, to yeah. fire. But that's why I think if I got that game, I was going to pull the trigger on the Genesis one. But I think I'll just wait to Dreamcast where there's yeah. dual analog. I might grab the Dreamcast. I want to grab a copy that looks great. And you're saying it's a good game. It's a great game. It's fun. It's a blast. And so on the Switch, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Yep. Yeah, I really wanted to get that one. Um, we kind of mentioned this last episode, but Bloodstained was updated, so I've been playing the crap out of that. Yeah, Loving that game. I still am, too. Interesting that you and I, after the patch, fixed a lot of my, or almost all my issues, which are, I could actually play it now. Yeah. Um, you and I both got to a point in the game where you're fighting, long story short, a dragon with two heads. Correct. On a spire, if you will. Yep. And you and I both battled it, we talked to each other right afterwards, and like, did you, like, fall through the ground? Yep. Yep. And sure enough, we fell through, and just like a spiral staircase up the spire. And so we both fell through the ground while this dragon was supposed to be attacking us from both sides. And so it kept on attacking nobody up, up above us after we fell through. And I just kind of walked back up the steps cautiously. And uh, actually, I walked down first and got the item you're supposed to get after you beat the dragon. 
And then I walked back up the steps. And that's what I did. And I walked a little further. Like, you know how you go down and you grab the thing you're supposed to, and then yep. you walk to the right? I kept walking, trying to get off the level. Uh-huh. Like, I don't want to go back and deal with him. And you just walk into blackness. Yep. I and, did that and it's too. a glitch. Like, it's just black, black, black. And the I was game like, is not a perfect technical... Right. Yeah. And I was like, uh-oh. And I walked back. Luckily, it let me go back. And then you can explain what happens. And I mean, then it's pretty elementary to beat I the dragon, I just went right? behind the dragon, walked up to its tail, which does not hurt you. Yep. And just started attacking, like, its front legs from behind it with no chance of getting hurt. And I went a little further where I was kind of under his belly. I could see his mouth. But I... He couldn't hurt me. I just hit there and yeah. whacked on him until he died. Yep. And so, so... But the fact that we both fell through right there, that's got to be a pretty big glitch. That's not like a... I would think so. That's like, That can't be part of the game, right? No, I mean, it's definitely so, not. Anyway. Um, I've also been playing... I finally bought and played Splay the Spire, mm-hmm. which is a game I was really excited about, but you bought it before I did. Mm-hmm. Confirmed how good it was. I bought it. Yeah. Um, I do really like it. It's a lot more shallow than I thought it was going to be. Um... Okay. I I mean, when I first got it, I thought it was shallow as well. But then, if you go online and you start reading about strategies, there there's some very complex and deep strategies to that yeah. game. No, yeah. I think I'm getting into the strategies and stuff. Okay. But, um, and they're not always easy to get going, like to chain together to get going. They're very hard to get going, but once you do, it can get pretty deep. Yeah. Well, and it kind of leads you in a way because it'll give you three options every time. Yeah. And it'll kind of try to lead you. It's like, all right, you, you want to go this way or this way, more or less. It's like, right. make the right choices. You can go for this strategy or this strategy. Anyways, it is a very cool game. It's definitely worth the money. I'm still going to play the heck out of it. I've only played the first character. Okay. Um, I haven't played the other characters that have different, completely different card sets. Yeah. Um, I playing- played the second one twice, and then I just unlocked the third one. And I haven't played that one at all. So. Yeah, I really want to beat the Spire with the Fire Guy and then move on to the next one. Okay. Like, I become a completionist. Yeah. Um, so, great right games. On. I agree with those choices. So now we are going to drink our next beer before Eric talks about his next topic. Yes. And this is one I picked. This is a Yeovil Ales. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeovil. Yeovil? It's like Louisville. Yeovil, Kentucky. And it's a Louisville. ruby, multi ruby red bitter. I do like multi and yep. ruby red. So let me grab your glass first. That's no. me right there, I think. All right. So that, oh, there, there's the friendly neighborhood train. Comforting. It is comforting. Going back behind our house. All right. Let's see. What do we got next on the docket here? Um, I'm going to jump ahead while you pour those beers. I tried Apple Arcade. Oh, I'm interested in hearing how you like it. Yeah, I downloaded it. What did you think? It would have been cool if I could have played it on any of my devices, but I couldn't. There's yours. So I'm a little bummed about it because it says, specifically, all over their website, plays on Apple TV. Yeah. Which is what I was going to play it on because that's pretty much all I have. I mean, I have my phone, but I don't want to play it on my phone. That's not why I got it. Yeah. And, of course, I got it for the free trial, so it was free. Well, that's Um, good. But then I looked into it, and Apple said nothing about this, but I kind of had to dig around. Um, It says it plays on Apple TV, and I have one, so I was ready to do that. Well, apparently my generation Apple TV, you can't install new apps. And it says, yeah, all you do for Apple TV is you go to the App Store. And you can't I don't do have that. an app store. That's stupid. And it yeah. says you download Apple Arcade and you can play the game. Well, I don't. I can't download it with my Apple TV. He said it plays on Apple TV, so how do I do that? 
I even wrote to Apple and they just like forward me to a that's, FAQ page, which didn't do, help. Yeah. So yeah, it was honestly just a waste of time. That's a bummer. I, I don't have a device that would actually play it. Oh, well, I guess my iMac might, right? You can play it on an iMac or something. I right? don't know. My um, iMac's old. I mean, my iMac is 11 years old, so I don't know if I'd be able to play it on there or not. I could have hooked up a Bluetooth controller to my phone and like played on my phone. Yeah. But I'm like, that's not the point. That's like, not that's, what you want to do. I don't want to do that. And then I'm like, well, I could like take my phone and airplay it to my TV and then use my Bluetooth to my phone. And I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah, this is just not not worth it. There's games in there I really want to play that are specific to that platform. Yeah. So I give them kudos for that because I do want to play those games. But I, outside of spending $150 on a new Apple TV, I can't do it. Yeah, that's a bummer. So, sorry, Apple, you failed me. Cheers. Cheers. Ruby Red uh, Malty Delicious Yovel Ale. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a lot more Eric. Yeah. That's 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 more in my wheelhouse. <laughs> that's very good. That that tastes like a very good red bitter ale. Yeah, this is good. This kind of reminds me of, um, if I remember correctly, do you remember the King Arthur one that Tim got us? Yeah, from, I do remember from uh, yeah, Tintagel, Tintagel. Yeah, that's right. That's good memory. I I totally would have never remembered that. Hmm. So check this out. Whoa, boy! You keep knocking that thing. Do. I thought that was the first time I did it. This is the Zap 64 Annual yep. for 2020, which I thought about getting this multiple times. Yeah, I I got to be honest, I forgot I I bought it because <laughs> I showed like, up because I like I think it was a Kickstarter if I remember right, and like I was like I I just it showed up in the mail one day. I was like, oh, great! This is really cool, and I got uh, a lot of feelies and goodies with it. You did? Yep. So let me grab Honestly, those. the thing that scares me about these things most mm-hmm. of the time makes me not buy them. Yeah. Is just the shipping is usually atrocious. This was built into the Kickstarter, so it really wasn't that much. I mean, it, for me, but I think if you got it now, it might be. Dude, it's crazy. So in our last episode, we did a whole rundown of the 16K, 16K competition games. Right. And they're all in here. Yeah. Not all of them, sure, but... A lot I of mean, them, yeah. There's Doc Cosmos, and there's... Uh, I just saw another one a second ago. Tanabra Macabra yep, in there. Tanabra Macabra. I saw that one. It is cool. It's a very high quality there's Portal. Books, there's Shadow Switcher. That's a good game. Yep. Man. I just love. The, there's that one Petsky game. Yep. Digioli. One thing I just love about his books is that they're very high quality, very. There's, not, there's nothing skimped on on those. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, that's a very high-quality, glossy, you know, very well-laid-out book. I mean, every once in a while when I'm just feeling like a lack of um, ideas on what to play, I just skim through whatever book is in front of me, like the Crash Annual or the Zap Annual. And if there's a Spectrum game I want to play, I just go play it. If there's a Zap one, I just go play that C64 game. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Wow, I'm looking at some of the ratings that they gave to these places, to these games. Yeah, um, I agree with many of them. There's one or two that I was a little, I'm a little surprised, but yeah, this is cool. So there's the feelies, though. I got a little keychain from Zap. Sorry, uh, I can't peel my eyes away from this book. This is <laughs> yeah, so cool. So Zap Annual. We didn't. We probably should explain it, huh? 
Yeah, I mean, Zap used to be um, a magazine for the Commodore 64 that was out in the 80s. and In the UK. In the UK. You could not... I never saw it here. You could not get it here. And so now, a lot of the guys from Zap have come back, and they are making a once-a-year book, the annual, that has reviews on modern C64 games that are still coming out, as well as looking at old games and talking to some of the old uh, programmers and authors. Um, they And it's pack-filled. I mean, I don't... Gosh, man, this is cool. Yeah, how many pages is that? I mean, it's like, I don't know, 200, 300 pages? 200? No, nothing like that. Nothing One, like that? About 120. 120. Um, just very high quality, though. But each page has one or two games on it. Yeah. And they're basically just like the review section of Zap Magazine, I guess. Yeah. There's um, some other parts as well, but the... 60% of it is reviews, which is my favorite part. Yep. They're almost all reviews, yeah. And that was the that was kind of like the original Zap magazine. And here's just... some tips and tricks. Here's a few pokes and peeks, basically yep. cheats. Yep. A um, couple advertisements. Gosh, this is really cool. Yeah. I love... I, I'm going to try to get at least the Zap annual every year, but I really like the Crash one, too, for the ZX Spectrum. So those yeah. are the feelies. So there's a little little calendar. Oh, that's cool, too. Yeah, a little calendar that every month shows a different uh, Commodore 64 thing. Platoon, um, Brides of Dracula. And they're like a, a late 80s, early 90s game art, I guess. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. That's neat. And then there's a little keychain, and then a map of a game I'm not familiar with, but I, I'm going to look into it. Let's see if I recognize it at all. It is the... Oh, I actually have heard of this. Tier Nanog. Yeah. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. But I haven't played that game, which is kind of odd for me. I, I usually play all the C64 games, but haven't heard of that one. Well, you might have missed one out of the like 200 <laughs> exactly. or 2800 and whatever games that come out every month. I am so jealous. Anyway, that is nice. Pretty cool, That's right? really nice. Yeah. It was a nice un- unexpected thing that just showed up. That's the best too when you forget about them. Yep, and I did forget about <laughs> that one. Yeah. So speaking of Coco hardware. Oh, crap. I'm next. I'm looking at this thing right in front of me. It so looks I, familiar. So we talked about that I wanted to get a Coco 3 and I looked at a guy that does Coco 3s, but he's very expensive. He does good work, but he replaces... He he only sells ones that have upgrades. He actually is the guy that helped me yeah. diagnose mine. Yeah, and a nice guy, and he was very pleasant. It's just I didn't want to spend quite that much money. Um, so I found this Coco 3 on eBay, and it was a reasonable price. Um, and if you, as you can see, it's actually it's very clean. Shape. It's incredibly clean, very, very well done. And then Cloud Scout on... Uh, Matthew Sparby on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He, I just happened to throw out that I got one. And he's and I said I, I want to get this on online. Like I told you, I want to get every one of my machines online. <laughs> so there's a terminal program for this, but it only runs on five twelve k. So got upgrade it. So I, I threw that out there. Like I got to get this online. I, I guess I need the upgrade. And he goes, hey, I bought one. I never used it because I bought one that had one already built in. So I'll sell it to you for 20 bucks. Nice. So, bam, send it to 20 bucks. It's a modern one. I think I saw it. It's called the Boomerang? The Boomerang E3. And technically, it's 
it goes all the way up to two megs, like two twenty forty eight k or whatever. <laughs> but you have to upgrade your CPU to let that to take advantage uh, of take it. advantage of that. If you just install, it's five twelve k. Did you have to cut the capacitor do. off? I had to cut two capacitors yeah. off and remove four RAM chips. Yep. 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 And mine already had that done. Luckily, when mine came, it was already done. But okay, I totally saw that the the person who did mine, the legs are. Just, I think it was factory actually, but the legs are still sitting there oh, oh for the capacitors yeah oddly enough when i went to cut those capacitors off they crumbled oh wow yeah they were they they literally just turned into dust it was huh. very bizarre i went to go get, cut them with a pair of dikes and it, it it crumbled in there i had to turn it upside down and shake it out it was in dust oh wow so I think they would have gone eventually anyway. I wonder but, if there's any other capacitors on there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to tempt fate, but it went in easily. And then, since we're a gaming podcast, I um, I ran the five twelve k memory tester to make sure it worked, and it did. But then I wanted to try something that was just five twelve k. And there is a really cool. I know you're not a big fan of ports, but there's a, there was a Donkey Kong arcade port. Okay, literally from the ar- arcade like code. And converted to the Coco 3 only for 512K. And it was exactly like the arcade machine. And it, it looked great. Other than wow. the colors were a little different. Yeah, they always have that like green background behind everything that you can kind of see through edges and things. Yeah, this one was was fine. It had a black background, but the colors were a little muted from the actual arcade game. They were okay. kind of very muted colors. But otherwise, it played exactly like the yeah, arcade game. It actually really started playing around with some of those games on the uh, Coco SD card yeah. solution. Oh, cool. There's some really good games in there. I yeah. mean, I was Coco ex- 3, yeah. I wasn't expecting a whole lot of the Coco, honestly. Right. Um, but there's some fun stuff in there. So, And I've definitely been listening to uh, the Coco show from the guys from the Amigos and yeah. playing along with the games that they've been picking out. So Yeah, and they picked some good ones. That Xenix game? I haven't played Xenix yet. I, oh, I, need, I need to do it. That's a beautiful. It's an amazing shmup. Yeah, I need to do Comparable, it. Comparable, when I played it, I was like, this is just about better than any Amiga shmup. Yeah. So play that. But I love the keyboard on this thing. Yeah, beautiful. Solid, solid keyboard. Right on. Um, I've been playing classic games on my Amiga. I kind of mentioned that already, but yeah. I really dug into Lemmings. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never I actually played this on my A500 before I got my 600, but I'm definitely going to re- dig into it. But I've been doing the password saves and stuff, and I've yeah. played through like 30 levels. I've almost beat the, uh, the uh, game on easy. Oh, on Lemmings, okay. Lemmings, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, you can beat, like, I guess they're on if you call them worlds or whatever, but beat the first world or yeah. whatever you want to call it. But I put uh, something out there on Twitter, and somebody hashtagged one of the creators, uh, Mike. Yeah. Um, Mikey, is it Michael Daly? Mike Daly? He's one of the creators, yes. yeah. Um, and it was cool, because uh, that's what's cool about Twitter. I, I playing this game, I've heard tons about, and finally playing it. You know, when I was a kid, I knew about Lemmings. Yeah. And the creator is now responding to my tweets, right? Super cool. And it was funny because I said, like, you know, I'm playing the game on easy or whatever. Or no, they called it fun. It's the difficulty fun. <laughs> and I said, what happens if I change the difficulty? Do I play it on, like, uh, mind-numbing or, like, life-threatening or, like, whatever? Yeah. And somebody made a comment about it. And uh, and he, I forget what he said. I'm like, I wrote back to, you know, the creator of this game. And I just... You know, basically wrote him back saying, um, well, I'll let you know if I need any pointers um, on easy mode or whatever. 
and he said something along the lines of, you ask me for any pointers or if, or whatever, I, I reserve the right to berate you with many fish-related uh, insults. Yeah. So I instantly wrote him back and said, on level two, how exactly do you... <laughs> yeah. And he, he came back with this hilarious thing, called me a haddock. Yeah. And uh, he's like, how'd that work out for you? And I sent him a thing back to basically saying, you just crossed it off my list. And I hand-wrote a little list that said, uh, you know be insulted by the creator of a classic gaming franchise. Yeah. Um, I just love Twitter. I love how you can connect with these people, like creators yeah. and things. I would, you know, how would I ever be able to talk to that guy outside of right. Twitter? You know, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm having fun with Levings. Um, I like how it's a puzzle game. Again, like you and I talk about puzzle game where you just can kind of figure it out in your own way. And There's I've never gotten multiple ways to do it. I've never gotten really super into Lemmings. So it's one of those things that, Maybe around my, on my Thanksgiving or Christmas break, I'm just going to bust into something like that. So. Yeah, I just, I just picked it up to say, you know, I'm going to play a few levels, and I just kept going. I got sucked into it. That's so. cool. Um, also, the time, timeline on this is kind of weird, but between the recording the last episode and playing this episode, I found a game called Zub and got really into it. Yeah. And it's funny, because Tim actually, after seeing me get into it, he actually tried it for the first time and did a, the last episode he did on Zub. So it sounds like... It's out of order. Yeah. But really, I I, uh, I found it first, Tim. That's all I'm saying. Right. And I um, played it right after you were talking about it. I yeah, actually you played it, it as well. Too. Yep. And I, I, well, I watched Chinivision's uh, gameplay of it, so I actually knew how to play it before I played it. Oh, good. And I really enjoyed this game. Honestly, it's, um, I haven't played, you know, I still haven't played a ton of ZX Spectrum games, but right now it's my favorite that I played. Yeah. I really got into it. I, yeah, it's a unique mechanic. It's simple. You would think yeah. like more people would have used that mechanic in a game, but it's fun. It's a blast. Yeah, and so you guys can listen to the last episode, but it's kind of basically a platformer where you climb up platforms and you hold down and move the platform left and right to get to the next one. You just kind of keep climbing. Yep. But uh, I had a great time with that. It's um, a fun game. And then uh, more recently, I got into Arkanoid... Uh, what's it called? Revenge of Doe? Yeah. The second one. I love that game. And so I just played that on my A600 and with the mouse. And I was having a blast with it. It was, it was great. I've never actually played, I think, a true... I always played Arkanoid clones. Yeah. I don't know if I ever played actual Arkanoid. Oh, man. That Revenge of Doe is is like a... I love that game. That's yeah, one of my good. go-to games when I boot up like the Amiga. Um, I love getting the laser... The, the laser... Um, you know, um, the little L that drops down. Oh, yeah, and just and, blast. And the... you just hit the button and just blast the, the car. I, that's a fun game. That's a great yep. one. And then I went back and tried to play the first Arkanoid. Mm-hmm. Much harder. It not is. Not as fun. Yeah. That's right. So, interesting. You're correct. Let's rate this beer. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't done that yet. Nope. So, again, this is that Ruby beer uh, from Yolville Ales, 5, or 4.5% alcohol by volume, malty ruby red bitter. Thank you, Tim. From our co- co-host, Tim Drew. Yep. Um, What's our rating scale on this bad boy? Uh, root world, it would be a ruby, right? So I'm gonna oh, say, rubies. Okay. I'm going to say out of 25 rubies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. out of 25 rubies, I'm going to give this... 19 rubies. Oh. 18. 18? Yeah. Little Good. I mean, no, those I like are both it. great. Those are both great scores. Yeah. It's a very solid beer. I'd definitely order it again. Yep. Um, yeah. I like it very much. It's uh, it's definitely got the English bitter. Yep. Which I like. As we drink more beer. Exactly. 
Commodore 128s. So we I, talked about uh, that was Dustin. That was his computer growing up. That's correct. Dash yep. 16 a few months ago. So I've had one, and it didn't work well with all the video. The, the Commodore 128 is interesting. Getting the 64 portion of it to work is easy. There's just composite out the back. Mean, so getting the useful part of it is easy. Exactly. Gotcha. So how do but, you get the part that you don't really want? Well, I like I wanted that part. <laughs> for for one thing, when I BBS and put it online, I want the 80 columns crisp like screen that the C128 gives. But if I want to play games, you're right, C64, but there are games for the C128, and I really want to explore that library more. But none of the monitors I had would actually work well with that. Getting video to work on the C128 is a nightmare. Unless you have a specific monitor that was made for the what's called RGBI. Okay. It's a kind of an interlaced RGB mode. So the ten eighty four, which I picked up at Ami West, does that and we found the cable, plugged it in. I had to put my Commodore one twenty eight back together. I actually took it apart because it needed some repair. It's in pieces, huh? Yeah, so I put it all back together, got it all. I, the Jiffy DOS, I, it had Jiffy DOS, so I had to solder back uh, wires to put the switch on the outside to turn on and off Jiffy DOS. Um, it was quite a bit to get it back together because I had it completely disassembled, but I got it back together and it works great. It's beautiful. You hit one button on that 1084 monitor and it switches between the 80 columns and 40 columns of the C128 and the colors look perfect. So. Um, hopefully in future episodes, I'm going to talk about some of the Commodore 128 specific games, because there were some. Can you BBS with that yet, Eric? I have, yeah. I did it. <laughs> That's the first thing you did. I did the first thing I did, and it worked BBS straight. first. Yep, and it worked worked fine. That's funny. You and I both picked up a game. Yeah, and I got the copy here if you don't have yours handy. That's funny, because I do have mine handy. Hey, we're both holding ours. Yeah. We Yay! Should, we, should make them, we should make them kiss. Boing! Hey! Um, Killer Queen Black for the Nintendo Switch, and we both wanted. I'm I'm going more in line with you these days, Cody. I, if there's a physical version, I want to get it. Now, if there if the physical version is hard to get, yeah, I don't, I don't want to special do it. order it, and I don't want to pay extra. I don't like, want to do that. Bucks after shipping, but but I walked into a Walmart, which I yep. usually don't shop at Walmart much, but I walked in and there it was, and I was like, Same I didn't here. know this was available. Now. Try to remember this, Cody, because I want to pick your brain on this. Early on in Pixel Guidance history, early on, like I'm talking in the first 10 episodes or so, I swear we talked about this game in the arcade in Japan, yes. right? Not in Japan. Okay. But yes, it, it was a small, it was like a, a husband and wife team. Okay. And they they originally were really into creating like games like kids, would, or not necessarily kids, but primarily kids would play on like a playground okay so like capture the flag or those kind of things yeah like, let's come up with fun games to do for like people interacting with each other and so this was originally and they made a number of these games and they originally eventually came up with killer queen yeah which, which you had multiple things going on at once you had people who had different roles and mm-hmm. one group was trying to do one thing while another group was trying to do another but you could switch depending on what was happening if you're losing one you can run over there and it basically became a game all about Communication. You're trying to do these things, but keeping an eye on things. And if you were failing or succeeding or whatever, you would call your teammates and say, hey, over here, because yeah. so-and-so is almost here. You know, it's all about communication. And then they realized it worked really well as a, uh, as a game. So I think they only made, like, 20 cabinets. And, like, 
So typically in major cities, like I think San Francisco has one, Chicago has one, but they made these arcade machines and they cost like eight grand because they're literally five players on each side and it's a two-sided arcade machine where there's a big monitor on both sides. Okay. And places that have these things would have tournaments and people show up in droves and you'd have teams show up there to play five player on five player and the losing team walks off with their tail between their legs and the next team will come up. And So I wasn't dreaming. We did talk about we this. We talked about I this. Know that, I know we did and believe it or not, I walked into Walmart looking for something else and I saw this on the shelf and I was like, those memories of our discussion actually really? like fired in my neurons and I was like, I know we talked about that, and yep. now it's available on the Switch. I got to get it. Yep. So I was like, I'm going to just get it. And so I grabbed it, and it is and, that game we And when we you told about. me you grabbed it, I'm like, that's it. I'm grabbing it, too, then. Cause yeah. It, and I want to play this online. This is, like, I'm not a big online player, but I want to I, I wanna get, I, I actually went and bought a head, headset, like the microphone. I still need to figure that out, because I don't have a way to use the microphone. And you need it. This game, you need the Yeah, need I went and bought, like, a, the Turtle Beach Switch, okay. like... I think it was forty bucks, but oh, it has wow. a boom mic. It has it. it pl- it's wired. It's not wireless. Yeah, yeah. But I and then I went on Amazon and bought a wired extension because I want to sit on my couch when I play the game. Oh, that's right, because you play desktop. Yeah, you you, you I like I like docked. Yeah, docked. So um, I had to get an extension because this headphone only has like a two foot cord. So like I, I I'm all set up. I'm ready to go. And I played. Um, I went through the tutorial. Yep. But. I one thing you should know is that you can pick local wireless, mm-hmm. but you can add all bots, so you can play the full game, but all bots except for you. But yeah. that lets you practice all the different like. I've just been playing random battle, quick battle. Okay, and I've just been playing against random other people. Now we're not talking. We're you just can, do, doing you can our own hear thing. them talk though, right? I'm sure if they were, but they yeah. aren't. Okay, but yeah. But yeah, that's I mean that's where it goes. And we already uh, got Doug to buy a copy from Ten Minute Ten Minute yeah. Amiga Retrocast. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully he has a way to talk to us. And so if you want to join the Pixel Gaiden army, there you go. We're gonna all team up on the same side and beat everybody else. I love it. And that way we can beat these other kids that are calling our moms names and stuff. You know what I mean? And, uh, we'll, and we're going to come we'll up with them. very, uh, yeah, more than R-rated comebacks. <laughs> exactly. Which we won't say on the show for a family-friendly podcast, but That's when right. we turn off the mics, it's all on. When, you, when you're on the Pixel Guiden Army, you can say what you want. <laughs> Pixel Guiden! So... Cool. Yeah, I'm excited about this. And it's a game. It's a funny. It's a fun game where basically it's a 2D platformer game at its essence. Yeah. But it's one big screen where there's tons of stuff going on, all at once. Multiple ways to win. You can win by riding a snail to the goal. So you can do military, economic, or something else. What is the third one? Military, that, economic. That just makes it sound way too complicated. Yeah, yeah. But you I either mean, ride a snail, ride to, a snail to a goal, pop the berries in. Pop all the berries into the holes that are available until they're full. Or kill the queen. Or kill the queen three times. Three times, yep. So That's really all it is. And so basically you're trying to focus on one of those while supporting other things so the other team can't be- do yep. those things before you do. And um, The game is hard. I don't know if you've looked at your stats, but I looked at your stats and you, I, you look like you're in the same boat as I am. Like, oh, really? It's not the easiest game to master. I it's fun. I, I don't know where the stats came, but... I, and I think I got lucky on some teams, but yeah. I actually have a lot. From what I played, we got a lot more wins, not because of me, 
Yeah, but, so I'm, maybe it was my personal stats. Then. Okay, maybe I'm looking at personal stats, but when you can look at the people's profile, yeah. when I look at even my own, it's like my profile doesn't look good, but I'm I'm still learning. But yeah, but it's it's a it's a blast. It's a lot of fun, and I would love to get all of our friends on one side where we're all on the same team. Yeah, even if we win or lose, I think it'll be a blast. I'd like to set this up at a legacy event. Yeah, that might be a little tricky, but if we could do it, that'd be huge. That'd be cool. Yeah. Cool. Um. You got a calendar, another calendar. Oh, is that next? That's yeah. next. Yeah, so where did I put We that? were just talking about this because I played Here Zub based on the video I watched from Chinivision. Yep, because you just mentioned Chinivision. And hey, look at Zub right there. The Zub is right there. Right yep. on the cover. So he was nice enough to say, hey, I have... Because we talk back and forth on Twitter quite a bit. Yeah. He's like, hey, I have a ripped... Because it's ripped on the front page oh, there. There's like a small rip right here on the cover. Yeah. Um, but he was like, hey, I'll send you this uh, this calendar for free, you know, because it's ripped, but I want you to take a look at it and see if you like it. And Really nice guy, and I watch his videos all the time, and so he sent that to me, and uh, yeah, I've, I've cool. had that on my wall. I pulled it in just to show, just to talk about it on the show, but... So now I have calendars up the wazoo, even though I always use digital calendars on my phone, but... Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And then I hung that up, and my wife was like, you know it's bad luck to put calendars up before the year oh, starts. whatever. But... Bad luck. She's probably right. Um, no, it's interesting, because the way he did it was he picked a game, a classic game per month. Yep. And has all the ports of it. Yeah. So you, like a ZX Spectrum, Commodore 64, Amstrad... Amiga Spectrum C64, Atari ST, and the Amstrad CPC versions. Yep. Which all look very different, by the way, for Silkworm. Yeah, very cool. So it's Chinny Vision Calendar, and I got it for out of uh, the kindness of his heart. So I like it. With just a little rip on the corner, which once you flip to the flip next the first, first page, month, you're done. So. Yep. Yeah, very uh, cool. The hard thing you have to figure out is when the year ends, do you throw it away? Right. I, I can never make that choice. <laughs> Um, I got a couple things. These are the only two. You got a lot of stuff this month. I I actually felt like I stuck with my word and didn't buy too much stuff. Well, next month's going to be like that for me because my wife was like, you spent way too much. And she's <laughs> right. She's totally right. So I, I only got three things of note. One was Killer Queen. Yeah. Perfect. Another one. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, wait. I think. Do I have that? No, I don't. Yeah. You win. There we go. You win. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so, ooh, look at that. Dustin, yeah. first of all, our boy Dash sixteen, yeah, wrote me and said, "Hey, I'm trying to get a DS. Do you have a, a suggestion on what to do?" And I said, "You know what? Go to Legacy. Yeah, because he always has good stuff. They'll hook him up. Yeah, and the prices are very reasonable, and you know it's good. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I've been wanting to get a DS Lite so it plays the GBA games." And they have two black ones, which are perfect for me, at GameStop for 55 bucks. And I was like, I'm waiting till Legacy gets them, because I want to buy from Legacy. So so this is the uh, DSi, okay. the one that I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bought this a few months ago. We talked yep, about yep, it. Yep. Um, but anyways, I went in there and saw another one that was looked just like mine, black and everything. And it, they had it on special. On where? Legacy? At Legacy. For 20 bucks. So I called Dustin, because he was looking for one. Yeah. And I said, hey, if you haven't gotten one yet, just today, it ends today. They're doing it today only, 20 bucks. Come get this thing. Sure enough, he went and got it for 20 bucks. 
And then he went online and found out right then that Newegg was having a sale on the R4 carts. Oh, wow. So Egg, I didn't realize this. Egg sells, and I can trust Egg for the yeah, most part. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so he went and got an R4 cart on sale for like, I think it was like $3.78. Yeah. Something I, stupid. So I want to let you know, I, I, it didn't come in in time. I bought one from China, though, and it's, I bought it at, before Halloween, and it's going to be here December 15th. Really? Yeah, so the shipping is ridiculous on it, but... The one I'm getting, though, is supposed to be able to do 3DS games as well. Okay, so the one I just bought from yeah. Newegg, yeah. I got it in like two days. Okay. Is that one? Three days. Yeah. So 3DS. Yep, so it'll do 3 it, That one's cool because it will do any system. Yeah. Like, if, if, if it plays that cart that fits that, it'll play it. So that was awesome. See, I should go on Newegg and just grab it. Which is why I was going to give you my old one, Eric. That was my gift to you. Sweet! So, well, the, the cancel funny... the other one. If that works for you, cancel the other one. But this one won't play 3DS stuff, right? No. Well, neither will this. Oh, it doesn't? So, this this one will play... The new one... Yeah. Uh, ...will play off the cart, right off the cart. It'll do this. Now... Okay. If you want to root your 3DS... Yeah. I guess it technically can work, but it is this huge checklist of things you have to do. And that takes, like, like, two hours. And almost brick it, right? Yes. Brick it. No, I well, watched the, the video, is, and I'm like, no, not Mine hasn't shipped yet, so I will cancel it. Cancel. That's just, yours. Sweet, man. Thanks. And is it, it's pretty easy, right? You just throw the ROMs on there? That one, uh, well, I, I, didn't, I took the SD card out of there, right? I think so. Yeah, you more or less um, have just... Whoa. <laughs> it's kind of like the... Uh, the div MMC or anything else, you just kind yeah. of have to throw a couple files from the web okay. onto the root and then throw some games on there. Yeah. Who's CML? I don't know. That's how it came for me. That was the one that was <laughs> that came magically in that lot of games I got when I got my There is an SD DS. card in there. Do you want that? I do. Did I not? There's an SD card in it. Yeah, I'm totally going to steal that back. No, you can keep it because it's, it's already got the stuff loaded, so that'll help you out. Okay. Um, Dude, I, I, so that helps me because the China one hasn't shipped yet, and I've been getting frustrated. Like, why is this taking so long? They, I didn't realize Newegg had them. So. They let me cancel, so I'm just going to cancel it, and then I'm going to make gotta, sure that one works first. Okay, because that one is kind of specific to. Well, I got working here. I got to get a DS because I only have a 3DS. Oh, okay. So I'm going to, but it, it's been on my list to get. I just wanted to wait till Legacy had one. Gotcha. So I'll do that. They've had them, but not the light, not the one you were looking for with the because you want to be able to put GBA games in it too. Correct. Yeah. And yours, you can't, right? This one, no. No. Okay. No. But I have my SP, which I play GBA games on. That's right. That's right. The last thing we have for well, catching thank up you for here, this. yeah, absolutely, is if you remember, we talked about this last time, but the Coco, since we keep yes. talking about color computers, yeah. We got the fever. Uh, has the you know the joystick with the floppy stick, yes. which is which we kind of discovered is necessary for a lot of the games because they're analog. You're right. They're specific to like I want to be at this point on the screen, so I'll put it at that point on the stick. And that's the frustration I think that the Amigos have a lot. Like, yeah, we we yeah. And I don't yeah. think they've realized that yet. So I don't if they'll think hurry so. up and listen to our most recent shows. If they need to listen. We can help them. Yeah. Um, we could be nice and like offer our help on Twitter, but I'd rather just force them to listen to our show. Right. Um, <laughs> so anyways, that being said, the controllers suck. They do. Um, and there are games that don't need those controllers. Nope. So if you want to get, uh, you know, a competition pro or something on your Coco, you have to get an adapter. 
Yeah. So you've seen? Have you looked in, into those adapters? I at know all? they exist, but I haven't looked into them. So if you look them up, this is what they look like. Okay. I went ahead and bought them. Now this guy sells them on eBay. Yeah. To my knowledge, it's the only person that makes these. Okay. And uh, they look cool. Yeah, I mean they're, they're they look solid. They plug into one side, and the other side gives you a female. You plug in any. Commodore or a lot of games like Xenix is a good example. Xenix doesn't require a old floppy analog stick, but some games do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have to be careful with which ones you're going to use and not. Interesting thing is when you buy these, he Mm -hmm. sells them by the pair only. You can't buy individuals. Okay. I'm never going to play two player on that. Eric, here's one for you, buddy. Yay! Yay! Uh, Applause. It's like Christmas. I know, right? Dude, so, thank you. So I, you. I will use this. The only person I'll ever play two-player with would probably be you. And I'll bring it and over. You just bring it over. We're, <laughs> we're good. So, there we go. Dude, I will I will use this because there are times when I'm like, God, this joystick sucks. Yeah. Zenix, I want to play that game, and I want to play it with that adapter. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, thank you. Convert it to awesome. a DB9. So. I appreciate it. That is uh, catching up, guys. Right on. Um, so, I think we're on to listen to our interview with our boy, uh, well, Eric, you did the no, interview. No, you say it. With Henrik Lofel. You got it. That's a very good. Lofel. No, no, it got to be. Lelful. See, there's a, there's a little extra pizzazz in there. Lelful. little perfume on there I can't quite <laughs> I can't quite get, so. I hope he appreciates this. I am trying hard. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're laughing at our own incompetence. That's what we're a, we are, definitely. So take it away, future Eric. So this month we are back and we, for another Patreon supporter discussion, I like to call them discussions because they're not really interviews, they're just kind of a back and forth. Um, And this month we have, uh, well, let me me back up here. As as listeners know, I tend to butcher people's names. (laughs) So... I am going to allow you to introduce yourself so I get the proper pronunciation of your name finally, and I'll see how close I was. So go ahead. Uh, my name is Henrik, um, and before I say my name, last name, I'll just excuse Eric and everyone else that this my last name is hard to pronounce, even for Danes also. Oh. So, so it's, it's uh, yeah, it's an old title. It's a, it's pretty much the, the 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 barn foreman from oh. from old days. Yeah. Uh, so it's called Lelfool. Oh wow! <laughs> so I was really getting it wrong. <laughs> Everyone does that. So, so say it one uh, more time I'm, for me, because I am going to try to get it right. Henrik Lelfool. Lelfool. Ah, uh, not bad actually. Let not me, bad. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm going to grab a penny because I'm going to get it right on it on when we announce Patreon because I, I think that's the least I could do for people that ah, support Ah, come on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, Don't worry about it. Lelfog. Is that right? Lelfool. Lelfool. <laughs> Is that right? Lelfog. Not bad. Not bad at all. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I was way off then because I was saying Henrik Ladefagen. And that's not... Many, right. people, many chunks have, have been broken by this name. <laughs> So don't worry about it. I'm going to try to say it right, though. So I, I will try to say it properly. But anyway, ha, um, I'm glad to have you here. I really, Cody and I both really do appreciate the support. And I know you've been a supporter for quite a while on the show. Um, it, 
I, I always find it very interesting to hear the history of people who listen because it is pretty much different for everybody. Um, yeah. So I want to go back, like in time. What was the first video game that you ever played, if you can remember? And if you can't, just take a good stab at one of the early games. Actually, I do remember. It was an old, old TV version of Pong, uh, home version. Um, you could buy one of those that pretty much, it was, uh, it was just Pong. Yeah. With a t- tennis version and a football game, and it, it was all Pong. Do you remember the so manufacturer? Because I remember, because Atari came out with the official Pong home console, but there were so many clones. Like, I had the Coleco Telstar Ranger, and it was the similar thing, like it was just Pong with a gun game added. Do you remember the manufacturer at all? Well, this one was, I think it was Blue or something. I I, I couldn't remember. Sorry. Blue? Um, oh, the, the, yeah. cons- the console was blue colored. Yeah, right? I think it was. That's pretty much all I remember. So I don't think it's a original anything. It's pretty, I think it's a clone. Okay. Do you remember where it was made? No. Oh, interesting. I'm going to look that up because I I, I've seen orange ones. Nintendo had an orange one um, yeah. that was really pretty cool looking. I want to get one of those someday, but... Um, and most of them are just black, so a blue one. That's interesting. Actually, uh, I thought it was a computer when I bought it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going for a big, big trend 20, but uh, I was mistaken. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you play with the whole family? Uh, I think so, a little. We didn't have it for long. Oh. I, was, I, was, I was going for a computer, a real computer. Oh, I see. So you, so, did, so you got rid of it and got a real computer. Yeah. Which and that was actually going to be my next question. What was the first um, computer that you had at home? That was the the big Commodore Big Twenty. Ah, good. Same with here. Same with me. Yeah, it was a great computer. But those uh, three and a half Ks of memory uh, just killed me very early on uh, trying to program it uh, programming on it. Uh, yeah, so. I, I did the same thing. I I, I spent. The, the reference manual was so good that was included yeah. um, that I would type in all of the and I, this is before I even had a tape deck to to save things. Exactly. You know, me and my friend would type in little the little games or the little programs and we'd play them all day and then we'd shut the computer off and they were gone forever. <laughs> well, actually, Commodore had a local uh, local office in our town and oh, wow. they published uh, sort of a newsletter uh, called We and Vic. And um, yeah, I had it for a lot of years. Sadly, it's it's gone now. But that was filled with uh, program listings and everything. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, I would. I remember t- getting the magazines, and I remember one in particular was uh, called Looper. It was like a little plane that yeah. would loop back and forth on the Vic Twenty, and and we typed it in. Took all look half a day to type it in. Then my friend and I played it, and we left the my Vic on all weekend so we could play it. And then when we had to turn it off, the game was gone. <laughs> I heard a lot of ZX Spectrum guys, uh, Brits, telling the same stories, uh, trying to cover up the uh, power LED from the parents. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly what I did, too. I I laid a sock over it. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you this. What was the computer scene in Denmark? Like, because I hear a lot of the I talk to a lot of people from the UK and they talk, of course, about the ZX Spectrum and BBC. And here in the US, it was mainly Commodore and Atari. What was it like in Denmark? Denmark was Commodore country, for sure. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was lucky to be introduced to computers by uh, a close friend of mine. His his dad was was working at a telecom uh, company. So they were very very early adapters of computers. They had one of those, uh, you know, the ones that make 
that uses uh, cardboards with holes in them? Yes, yes. He he actually had one of those standing in his living room. And those were pretty huge, the punch cards, right? They were, they were yeah. like a freezer or something. It was pretty big. Oh wow! So so I was I was lucky in that way, and he was. I actually borrowed the first computer. Uh, this first Commodore sixty four I borrowed was I used was was from that that friend. Gotcha. So, uh, Did you eventually oh. get a Commodore sixty four after the Vic? Honestly, he got bored with it, so I just borrowed it. I just kept borrowing it until I. <laughs> Excellent. So I was very lucky. So he yeah. got bored with it. Wow. Okay. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, as, you, as you know, they were insanely expensive back then. So. Oh yes. Yeah. When they first came out, they were very. They were pretty pricey. They were a little cheaper here, yeah. I think, in the U.S. because this is where it was from. Um, and there. Was yeah, you were all fancy. You had all the disk drives. We, we never had disk drives over here. That's what I I gather is that we when I would go to a Commodore, we we did have Commodore specific stores here. There was a yeah. couple here in Sacramento, and they it was all, it was mostly discs, like packaged games with disc floppy disks, and then we we kind of missed the whole cassette like budget titles. Yeah, yeah, we just missed We're, that whole deal. We would sit in the light from the screen from the TV screen with the screwdriver adjusting the head, yeah, and uh, watching the, tor- the turbo. Um, uh, those turbo, turbo, turbo modules making uh, flickering uh, colors on the screen that would help us adjust the, the head, and uh, that's my, that's one of the basic memories from back then, and, and one that I share with a lot of Commodore people. Yeah, and I, I did have a tape deck with my VIC twenty eventually, and so I do remember changing the, the settings on that tape drive, it was like the azimuth yeah. and the and the God, exactly. I can't, yeah. I can't even remember, but I do remember doing. <laughs> Um, so, oh my God! Are we nerding out here? Exactly, we are. And, and yeah, uh, see, Cody missed the whole. Um, the er- I mean, his earliest computer was a Mac, so he didn't get into like the uh, Commodores or the Wedge style computers until recently. No. So I nerd out a lot more about these computers than he does. Ah, <laughs> uh, you gotta love it. So, what do you remember? Did you? What was your first console like? Computer console like cartridge based console system? Did you have one early on? This might shock you. I never had one. Never had one, yeah. And no. The, I, the funny thing is I only had an Atari 5200. That was the only one I ever had as a kid. I wish. Yeah. But so I, I just, you, you missed that altogether, huh? Yeah, I, I got on the PC bandwagon pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I went, uh, I'm a veteran, so I came back with uh, a hefty sum of money in my pocket. And I could buy a, a, an early... 486 uh, DX2. That's very important. Yeah. Um, and I got on that bandwagon pretty early. Um, so I, I skipped the, the console Skip area. Skipped them all together. So, area. Yeah. so you went from the VIC-20 to the borrowed Commodore 64. Did you end up... And then after the Commodore 64, did you jump straight into PCs? Or did you have an Amiga in there? I, I think I did. I never had an Amiga. I, a buddy of mine had, uh, but I never had one. Oh, okay. Do you remember what your favorite games were on the on this Commodore sixty four? Uh, that's got to be Paradroid. Oh, good for you. Yeah, yeah, that's that and summer games and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, Par- Paradroid is my favorite game. I think on the sixty four of all time. Yeah, I, I still play it. It's it's amazing. I never finished, but uh, then I'm not a good game player, so that's that's how it is. You're gonna like uh, this month's 
one of the episodes this month is we're comparing Paradroid to Quasitron on the ZX Spectrum. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so we're going to we're gonna cover that pretty in-depth, and I know that Cody's been playing uh, both of them, so that should be a fun segment, because Paradroid's my favorite, but I never got into Quasitron. I, we didn't have the ZX Spectrums here, so I never got into that, so I, this was my first foray into Quasitron, so that should be pretty interesting. Did you guys didn't have the ZX Spectrum at all, did you? Never saw it. No, saw it. no maybe someone had, but you don't get to see it. You don't see it much on on the marketplaces uh, and stuff. You don't see it much here in Denmark. Okay. So, so uh, it would be hard to get. Also, I think. Did you have? Um, any, did you have any friends growing up that had uh, cartridge-based consoles? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm. I'm just in between a lot of stuff. I, I, I passed on uh, on a lot of stuff. Actually, I don't know why, but um, I think the army had a had a saying that. So, gotcha. So, yeah. Did um? Do you remember the any favorite games on the Vic Twenty? I never really got. Yeah, I had a few games, but that was uh, Sargon Chess. Oh yeah, I had. Uh, yeah, I, I played a lot of chess on it, but that's pretty much it. I never got any one else. Um, it was it was hard to come by back then oh, in, in my in our area. Yeah. I I, I, for sure, that? I couldn't buy it new. I'm sure about that. I don't know. I, I don't know about a store that had those. So I got you. Um, yeah. Do you remember the big cartridges? Did you have any cartridges? Like was Saigon on a cartridge or on tape? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Those big chunky cartridges. I love them. I, I've been trying big, to big start, yellow ones. Yeah. Yep, been trying to collect them. I have a stack of them right in front of me right here, and, and the, they're pretty uh, iconic shaped cartridges. So I, they are. They are. When I finally got a Vic Twenty uh, a year ago, I had to get the penultimate cartridge from the Future Wars Eight bit. Yeah, uh, and I'm rediscovering a lot of games and and fun with that. Do you still have your original Vic Twenty? No. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Sadly, I'm, no. Me either. <laughs> I, I, I went through my the, the the loft at my parents and trying to find something like that. That was nothing. Um, so I had to buy it, but um, I'm lucky. I found a good one. <laughs> so. um, did you ever give back that Commodore 64? <laughs> I think I did because he's well he's very special that buddy he's very very special and uh, he was very uh, yeah you had to get it back or he would hunt you down and <laughs> yeah <laughs> did he uh, did you still keep in touch with that guy? yeah 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 he's a friend of mine yeah. oh good good that's... Well, well well he's a good guy but he's special <laughs> yeah those are good uh, you, Friends he would tell you himself that he's special. So yeah. that's that's how it is. <laughs> Nerd with a big N. Yeah. Do, do you do any um, modern gaming? Yeah, I do. Uh, I've been playing um, lately uh, all the Rockstar games, pretty much. And um, at the moment, I've just finished uh, uh, Ghost Recon. Yeah. Uh, Wildlands. Mm-hmm. My son uh, played that quite a bit. Yeah, it's a very good game. Uh, Breakout, the, the sequel, is not that good. So, And what system are you playing um, that on? Just on the PC. Oh, just on the PC. Okay, so are yeah. you mainly into PC gaming modern for modern games? No, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of GameCube games, for example. Oh, that's, perfect. That's, yeah. that's my... Uh, I have all the consoles pretty much by now. Um, so, so, But GameCube is my favorite. Um, I'm, I'm collecting the top 20 games right now. Um, so that's that's top 20 games for GameCube 
Yeah. Oh, good. But what others what others perceive as the twenty best games, I'm I'm trying to collect those. Oh, good. So, um, did you hear? Uh, did you hear our segment about modding the GameCube? Yeah, I did, and and I have a friend of mine who does the mods, uh, but I, I can't make myself uh, put a solder iron on them. On them, um, I I can't make myself modify them. That's I got gotcha. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I with the, so here the GameCube consoles themselves are very cheap. Like you can find them for twenty twenty five dollars. Yeah, um, but the games are very expensive here. So I mean they're still full price, like sixty seventy dollars. Um, it's insane in Denmark also. So that's uh, that's what got me to. I never was into the GameCube, but I wanted to get into it. But I didn't want to spend that much money on. Um, on, on games, so I modded mine. That was the only reason why I really did, because I wanted, I couldn't, God, trying to find some of those games is is very hard. Yeah, that's, that's the reason why I'm not going for any any kind of full collection or anything. I'm just going for the best games, and that's it. I'm happy with that. Gotcha. So, um, so you don't have any modern consoles, like an Xbox or Switch or anything like that? The most modern one I have is... Uh, PS3. Oh, the PS3. Okay. Yeah, and I, 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 I found a PS1, 2, and 3 uh, boxed complete. So uh, that's on the shelf. Uh, and I enjoy playing on them, actually. Oh, good. Did, uh, do you have any favorite games on the PS3 so far? You're, so you're playing the Ghost Recon on PC. Um, yeah. What, what titles do you like on the PS3? I won't make you pick a favorite, but are there any that you really like? I'm I'm uh, I'm into uh, driving games. That's that's my favorite. I I don't like the controller for 3D action uh, for shoot 'em ups and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I'm not very good at using the controller like that. But for Call of Duty or something like that, but but uh, sh- uh, driving games is really really uh, really good on that platform. Gotcha. Um, so I'm just sitting here chatting with a friend of mine who is on uh, one of the big British co- uh, podcasts. Oh really? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, retro, retro asylum. Retro asylum. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. retro asylum. Yeah, yeah. You know Matt's um, the Dane on that one. Um, I'm just gonna send a shout out to him. So awesome. Yeah, no, I have. Yeah. A, um, I actually have a retro asylum. Um, I got a magnet or something a long time ago, and it's still on my refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we've been talking a lot about going to one of the events in, in, in the UK, uh, the, these great events. Uh, but we haven't managed so far, but uh, still working on it. Have you been to any of those events? No, no, sadly yeah, I, not. I have the only one I've been to so far, other than um, there was a there's a Sa- Sacramento Gamers Expo that happens every year. But the only other one I've been to was Ami West for Amigas. Um, yeah, we went to that. We'll be talking about that on this these episodes this month as well. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It, it, that's a pretty small. Um, well, it was bigger this year, but a pretty small one. But I've heard that these like vintage computer festivals can get huge. We're actually having our own little one here in uh, my local town here in the uh, 30th of November. I'm yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm doing one. I'm uh, the local library. Um, so we are we're meeting up. We have a meetup there uh, for consoles it. and. Yeah, I do. Oh wow, you're running it. So, yeah. Oh it's man, it's not a big thing. It's not a big thing, but uh, we have a lot of fun there, and uh, we spend uh, almost a weekend uh, just uh, chatting and fixing computers, and uh, yeah, 
just having fun. Excellent. Um, I would like to ask you some of the past quick questions that we've had on the show, like you, that we start with the show. Um, yeah. Do you remember any that you were had heard and thought about the answer to? I want to start out, and I don't blame you if you don't. I, I actually have a hard time remembering <laughs> Honestly, them all myself. <laughs> um, let me ask you this one. And, and this one, I don't know if you... Um, if you remember, this one goes way back, but what if you had to pick one arcade game um, that was that you were in, you know, that was in the arcade, not that you brought home, but that it was in the arcade and you had to have one upright in your house that, I mean, you could have one, what, which one would you have? Oh, that's easy. There's no debate. That's Outrun. Outrun. Oh, that's a good Yeah, yeah. Now, would you uh, have we, the upright or would you have the one you sit in? Do you remember those outruns that you sat in? <laughs> we had an upright one at the uh, barracks when I was in the army, and I played that like insane, uh, uh, too too long, too many times. And uh, so I would I would get an, get an upright version, I think, uh, just for the memories. That's amazing. Those that sprite scaling engine is is just amazing. Yeah. And, uh, with the custom steering wheel uh, and the shifter. Exactly. And the, had the yeah. shifter, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one. High and low gear, yeah. yeah. Let me go back then. I want to ask you another question outside of quick questions. I want to ask you, did you, as a as a kid, spend a lot of time in arcades? Yeah, I did. I did. We had a local one uh, at a burger joint. Uh, and below, in the dark cellar, they had all these arcades. Uh, machines and uh, I spent quite a lot of time there. Yeah, when I had the money. Yeah, and yeah. that's funny because the one I went to the most was uh, in a cellar as well. <laughs> it was in a basement, <laughs> like a very dark, no windows. Um, Seems to be how it how it often goes. But uh, the the problem with arcades is that when you're a lousy game player, it it gets pretty expensive. So. So I didn't go there that much. But so um, here, here in the, we we had quarters that we fed into the machines. What was the what was the coin that you dropped into those in Denmark? Uh, I believe it was uh, one kroner. Kroner, that's right. I, I yeah. knew that for some reason. I just couldn't. It was on the tip of my tongue. A kroner is the Danish word for crown. Okay. So and that's still the the currency. So Outrun would be your favorite based on the question, but do you remember some of the other ones you really liked? Yeah, I remember trying, um, uh, you know, the ones that would flip, uh, flip you around, uh, afterburner. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the big afterburner machine. I, and I imagine that cost more than one kroner, right? Yep. I was a soldier in, in Copenhagen, uh, and they had this big arcade in the, just near Tivoli in, yeah. the, in Copenhagen, and... Uh, they had the big machines, the ones that, that the big cabinets that would turn and flip you and all that. That was amazing. That was. Yeah. You know. I, yeah I, I, we didn't have too many of those. I remember one was in like a Chuck E. Cheese. That, here there's like an amusement pizza place. And I remember there was one uh, there. Um, oh, that's interesting. So um, do you remember any of the like classic games? Were you into any of the Space Invaders or? Pac-Man or any of the like the first generation arcade machines? 
When I think classic, I think about the pinball machines, actually. The, yeah. the ter- Terminator 2 one I played a lot. That was amazing. Terminator. Uh, I actually like that one, too. The Term- and we have a Terminator 2. We, we have a local place called Coinop that um, has some arcades and pinball machines, and they have a Terminator 2 there, and I really like that one as well. The Terminator 2, two, two movie was amazing. Um, so, yeah. yeah I, was, I got, I got I was, my son to watch that recently because he was not into Terminator stuff at all. It's, he's too young for that. But um, I mean, when I say young, he's 15. But he never watched the Terminator movies. So I made him watch number one and then two. And he enjoyed both of them. <laughs> but, number, I, 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 but I, think I recently introduced my daughter, who's five. I introduced her to uh, Bubble Bubble oh. uh, on the C64. Yeah. And she loved it. I had to uh, cheat so she wouldn't die, but she she just loved it. Yeah, I uh, my wife and I went through. Uh, we played it on the Nintendo, and we went all the way to the last level. Um, and yeah, remember you're telling about yeah, that. Yeah. Yep, and uh, we couldn't get past it. We still haven't to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Is your wife trying to kill you with bad beer also? No, no, she's actually pretty good at <laughs> at, at buying <laughs> buying uh, good beer, but. We do like to try new beers. So we've we've had bad ones before, but none that made me sick. <laughs> <laughs> After you told me that you, you, you felt a little bad there, uh, I listened to the, the last 10 minutes of the podcast, and you can really f- hear that. You Basically, you're just saying, oh, yeah, okay, for the last 10 minutes or something. I'm a guy who I get sick. <laughs> I get sick about once every three to five years. Like, I don't get sick very often. Um, so it was very weird. Like it came on so suddenly and, uh, I apologize to all the listeners. I, I was actually, Cody could see me struggling and I was breathing really hard. Like I was just gonna, just gonna get sick. And so we had to wrap that show up quickly. And the funny thing <laughs> is as soon as I got home, cause we record at Cody's house. As soon as I got home, I felt fine. I mean, it was late at night. It was like midnight or one o'clock in the morning, but I, I felt fine. It was very weird. It was like I said. Uh, I think I texted you this. I was in a. It was a very weird recording night for some reason. Just, just very odd. It's funny. The thing I was. I've been thinking when we decided to do this interview. I thought about why I like this podcast. Um, I'm really into like the retro hour from yeah. from the UK. Uh, but but your podcast is. Just, I, I I think it's the. It's the atmosphere. Yeah, you, you 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 sort of feel like you're in the room with you, with you two uh, and your guests, and um, it's just like a, a a guy's sanctuary, I think. Well, I appreciate uh, that. We uh we we do strive to do a more conversational, um, kind of on the cuff, catching up kind of uh, show. Yeah. you know what I mean. And I love the Retro Hour. I listen to it every month. Uh, I love that show. Um, and and I I've, and I've listened to some other ones. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's nice to have variety. Um, but I really I, I like nice. the format of our show, and it's come a long way. If you listen to the first episodes to to the later ones, I think I think we've mm. finally kind of hit a stride. Um, but I do appreciate you saying that. Um, it's important for us to get feedback, um, and we. I, I love the I love the interview with Tim Tessia. Uh, so that was great. A- another name that I butchered. <laughs> Don't don't worry about it. But uh, um, no, I I I I I really love that interview, um, and I I just find it so interesting to hear the like you know like with the retro they always interview famous people which is great. Yeah. I like to uh, not not famous people but people that are big in the gaming scene or that were famous in the in the scene. 
Um, yeah. I tend to find it interesting to interview just people that would find our show interesting or 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 that they like the show because that means they have common ground with us and exactly yeah. and exactly. Uh, and I find their backstories interesting. I'm a pr- my wife will tell you this. My, I'm a very nostalgic guy. I look I I think about the past a lot. Um, <laughs> Same and my, man. And my past was filled with um, we didn't have a lot of money, but it was filled with thinking about computers like the early Vic twenty, the Commodore sixty four. Um, I never had an Amiga, but um, so, I mean, mine was filled with just playing those games, trying to mm. program games in basic. And I find it interesting to hear other people's history, which is why I asked you a lot about your past and the history there. Because I find everyone's unique story really interesting. Well, I'll just show you how nerdy we are here. Over Just two two friends of mine who share this this hobby. Uh, we just spent a week weekend at a holiday resort in Germany, just to get away from everything, and we just played Commodore 64 games, all yeah. and Amiga and Amiga games all that weekend. Oh, just, that's that would be awesome! Yeah, just nerding out and having fun and eating good food and drinking beer—that was just perfect. Oh man, we should have had a microphone there. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. We could have recorded that. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm still hoping for someone will interview Andrew Braybrook. Uh, apparently he's very shy uh, yeah. and private, so respect to that. But he's my favorite uh, developer on the C64. Yeah, my uh, too. Uradio, he did the, Uradio, yeah, he did. You're ready. You're ready. Alley Cat was he? Was, Alley Cat. Alley Cat. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did a series of developer diaries in SAP 64. I read. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I read them religiously, and I, I still love them. And he was he was he was instrumental in turning me towards programming. Um, so I didn't understand three quarters of what he he wrote, but it was such so fascinating. Yeah, I agree. Um, so one last quick question here. Um, sure. If you had to pick a top three Commodore sixty four games, what would they be? <sighs> oh, you know what? You Other think, than Paradroid. I'm going to ask you one more. No, you can add Paradroid in there if you want, but I'm going to ask another one. But go ahead. Well, that's you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, but um, Turbo Outrun, I love to play that. Okay. That was a, the, how the original Outrun game should have been. Yeah. And um, and Morpheus by yeah. Andrew Braybrook. It's it's not a big popular game, but I loved it. It's 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 more deep than than most games. Yeah, I remember playing it as a kid. I I pirated it. <laughs> yeah. but, um, I remember playing it, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah, me too. I had a few, few original games, and I have collected them now. I have that that, that I bought back then, and now I have the boxes and everything. I'm, I just love looking at them. Awesome. So, Paradroid, Morpheus, and and Servo Outrun. Then Turbo Outrun. Perfect. Okay, this is one of my favorite questions that we've had recently. So the evil gnome comes to you and says, you have to wipe out all 8-bit or 16-bit games. Which one would you do? I would keep Paradroid. Yeah, so you're going to keep all 8-bit games. Yeah. Yep. I would. I would. And that's what I 8-bit all the way. I think Cody chose the same, so we chose all 8-bit games. (laughs) Because we kind of skipped over the 16-bit era. I mean, I um, I like 16-bit games like Amiga stuff, but um, 
I, I, I actually really love all 8-bit games. Actually, I owned two Amigas like a year ago. Oh, and, nice. But just to collect them, but I never really played on them. I, did, I didn't have the memories, and I, I just had to sell them again. I, I don't want computers around that I don't use. I so. got gotcha. Yeah, the, the Amiga is yeah. hard to get a good system that just works. Like, you have to do a lot of upgrades. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, I, I have I have an Amiga 1200 that I've upgraded up the wazoo, and uh, it it works fantastic. It's uh, it, it's a, it'll play anything I throw at it that I want to play. Um, but I have an Amiga 600 which isn't upgraded very much, so I don't use it all that often. So you're right. I mean, if you don't upgrade them, they 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 don't do much. No. No. Right on. Well, I'm uh, we're we're. I think that's about the time limit for my segment here, but I do appreciate you taking the time to call. I know the time difference is quite a bit, um, and I, yeah, I really appreciate the support. Out. Yeah, but I, I just enjoy your podcast. It's uh, I that and the retro hour I save every week, so I have them available for my runs. So uh, yeah, I uh, I hoard them. So um, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Henrik, I really appreciate you, your support, and you taking the time today. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Hey guys, welcome to Cody's Corner for November. I was thinking about what I wanted to do this uh, month, and nothing really popped into my head uh, until I was realizing that there are a large number of games that I've noticed lately um, that are kind of redone versions or new takes on on games from uh, classic games from back in the microcomputer days, or even just some of the other uh, classic games I loved. That I just feel like I never noticed or didn't know they were there, and I was just pleasantly surprised when I found out that they existed. Um, so I just wanted to go through a couple of those games. Uh, it really got sparked when I recently looked on my Switch and noticed. Uh, you know, I always go look at the the recent sales. I noticed that. Saboteur from the uh, ZX Spectrum, which is a game I'm, I'm not familiar with, but apparently it's a, a classic game that was well-loved back in the day. It's currently on sale for nine whole cents on the uh, Switch store, uh, the uh, Nintendo eShop or whatever they call it. Um, and I, d- d- I just picked it up. I haven't played it yet, but um, it's just interesting that they would pick that game, which, you know, in hindsight is very archaic compared to what games are nowadays. And, uh, you know, because it's $0.09, cents, it's one of the top-selling Switch games right now. Um, it looks like it was a complete uh, port, nothing updated or changed, except for some, you know, gooey stuff and some um, quality-of-life enhancements. Um, but there's some other games here I wanted to point out. Cannon Fodder is a classic game. Uh, it was one of the first ones I think of when I think of the Amiga and I've mentioned on the show that I got a uh, Super Nintendo mouse recently and was able to play it with the mouse the correct way on the Super Nintendo as well. Um, uh, Cannon Fodder 2 was also uh, released on the Amiga, and a lot of people enjoyed uh, that game. But really, the, the first one is the one I hear most people talk about. Um, did you know there was a Cannon Fodder 3? So I looked on Steam... And uh, it kind of popped up into a, a recommended game for me. But there is a Cannon Fodder 3 that came out on Steam in 2012. And um, I'm not sure if it's on any of their systems, but it's on the PC. And it keeps the... Uh, I have not played it yet, <laughs> to be to be upfront. 
But it, it, I'm looking at video here and reading some of the reviews and stuff. It keeps the classic, you know, point and click gameplay. Um, you know, explosions are bigger. It's kind of got a, uh, a closer point of view than the original game did. Um, a lot more detail, a lot more things blowing up and things to look at. Um, unfortunately, it did only get a six out of ten. Now, I never know if that is people who are in my walk of life and join retro games playing it and saying, ah, oh, this game's not for me, or if it's somebody who's expecting some amazing modern experience and they're playing a classic style game. And so that might skew the results. I don't I don't really know. Um, but it looks really cool. It's currently $15, and I put it on my list. If it ever goes on sale, I'm definitely going to pick it up and give it a shot. Uh, that, that just seemed really cool to me. In a similar vein, the Alien Breed games, uh, I think there was three on the original Amiga they have three Alien Breed games that were released recently for Steam as well on the PC. Um, they have Alien Breed 1, 2, and 3. Alien Breed 1 is called Alien Breed Impact. Alien Breed 2 is Assault. And Alien Breed 3 is Descent. Now, these games are only $1.99 each. And looking at the video and gameplay, they play just like the originals. Although with a bit more of a isometric, I guess, looking... Um, angle on things, but it definitely looks like Alien Breed updated. Uh, for $2, I'm going to give these a shot. I'll have to report back to you guys uh, how that goes. This one's more interesting to me. Um, I One of my favorite Commodore 64 games is Space Taxi. I've talked about it on the show. Eric got me in love with it. It's just a very simple 2D game where you're basically a uh, in a, it's a, well, it's a taxi, but it's kind of like playing Lunar Lander where you're pushing your ship around Gravity is pulling you down, using your thrusters to go left to right and control your ascent and descent to not go too fast. And you're trying to land on different pads and collect the people there who are saying, hey, taxi, and take them to a different landing pad where they get delivered. And after enough deliveries, you can leave the level and try a different level. Um, Now, Space Taxi 3 uh, was released on the Amiga, now, I have not played this one yet, but I looked at that, um, and it looks like more Space Taxi. They definitely have the cheesy 90s graphics where the textures and everything. You can tell it was all made by different people and just kind of amalgamized into one game. Um, still looks good, just kind of that kind of, apologize, the hacky uh, presentation. Um, haven't played that one. I'm very excited to play that. That's new to me, but here's what's really interesting. I kept finding Space Taxi and Space Taxi 3. And I've never seen Space Taxi 2, and I'm like, that must be on the Commodore, or I guess maybe Amiga, somewhere between, right? Time period-wise. No, no, no. I looked up Space Taxi 2, and for some reason, the only record I can find of it is a 2006 PC game called Space Taxi 2. It looked a lot like uh, the first Space Taxi, but done with uh, 3D modeled graphics. You can tell it's just kind of, um, it wasn't, you know, early PlayStation 3D, but it, it was a little better than that. Um... But, you know, mid-90s 3D graphics, definitely not top of the line at that point. Um, but the gameplay looks cool. Um, the, the, ca- tap, the cab actually kind of turns itself around when you go from left to right, and uh, the graphics are, are definitely, there's more to look at there. But the gameplay looks very similar, a little more creativity with the levels. I want to give that one a shot as well. It is not on Steam, so I don't know if I have to find a, uh, another way to get it. Maybe good old games will have it. I'm not sure. But Space Taxi... Two and three are both games I'm interested to give a shot at. Um, in the beginning of our show, you'll hear another visitor, right? Uh, from Impossible Mission. That game was on the Commodore 64. It's a staple for the game. It's actually the first uh, Commodore 64 game I've ever played. When I first got my Commodore, that was the game that everyone 
um, had you know in their top five Commodore games. So that's when I started with, and I actually did fall in love with it. Started making my own maps each run through to figure out what rooms had what and how to get further and get a better score. This game apparently has been ported to like every modern system, um, starting with the PlayStation Two and Wii. Um, it's the same game, but with completely modernized graphics. The gameplay itself looks very similar to the original Impossible Mission. In fact, I can tell the layout and everything are, are the same. Um, it's also It also then went to the uh, Nintendo DS, um, and you can download it right now. On my PlayStation 4, I went on the store, and you can find it. I think it's pretty pricey, actually. I think it was like 15 bucks, um, which is a lot for essentially a graphic overhaul of a 40-year-old game, but... Um, Impossible Mission is a cool it's a cool little game. Uh, I think it is an acquired taste at this point, um, but if you do like the original Commodore 64 version, this new version looks on point, so I'm um, going to have to pick that one up somewhere on sale as well, or I might just play it on my uh, Nintendo DS as well. Let's see what else we got here. Hey, how about a couple of Wii games? I mentioned both of these in the past, but I just kind of rehashed them because it fits perfectly here. Two arcade classics were updated on the Wii. Massive updates. Um, the game Centipede, of course, we all know and love Centipede with the trackball. On the Wii, you can find Centipede Infestation, which is actually a way forward title. And uh, it's actually got a very cool... Um, it, it, it's more of... It, it definitely feels like Centipede, but you're, it's kind of an isometric angle again here. Not, not a corner isometric, but like top-down isometric if that makes sense, where you're kind of looking down but at an angle. Um, and it's more of a uh, arena shooter at this point, but you still have mush- mushrooms that are popping up. You have to shoot those and get them out of the way to shoot different uh, spiders and things that are attacking you. It's still definitely centipede, but it's also definitely something completely different and new. Um, I've heard really good things about it from people that like the genre. So um, that's one I don't own yet. What I do own, however, is the updated version of Alien Syndrome, another classic arcade title on the Wii. Holding it right here. Let's see. Up oh, inside. Uh, oh, I don't know if it's supposed to have a, a booklet with it. I just have the game. Um, it looks. It actually looks a lot like a, a Centipede Infestation, the way it's set up. Looks like another twin stick. Um, they call it a shooter RPG here, but I guess the original Alien Syndrome to a point was kind of like that. You collected things and add, you know, built, built up your arsenal. Um, Looks like a solid little reproduction there. Um, these games I've also mentioned on the show, but uh, I actually just mentioned this last show because I love this game. Castlevania, the Dracula X Chronicles on the PlayStation Portable, PSP. Um, it is essentially an updated version of Rondo of Blood. Um, now, you can't actually unlock the original Rondo of Blood on here as well. And you can also, this is really crazy, we, we talked about it, unlock the original Symphony of the Night, which is the best game on this collection, to be honest. But this updated version of Rondo of Blood here, you can see you got the... You can hear the UMD, right? The, the proprietary uh, format for the PSP. Um, kind of a silly format. Comes with a full uh, manual and book, which games just don't know a days. Um, but it's got... Just a rockin' soundtrack. Uh, the gameplay feels really tight. Upgraded graphics. Um, there's a few small changes that actually kind of enhance the gameplay. Um, I, I like it as much or more than the actual Rondo of Blood game. Um, but that's a definite go-to game if you're trying to update a classic. 
Tempest 4000. There's a lot of new Tempest games. Everyone loves the original Tempest, as do I. Uh, but if you ever want T- T- Tempest with more, there is Tempest with more. Of course, I have not actually played it yet, but there is the Tempest, I can't think of the name right now, on the Atari Jaguar. Sorry, Tim, the Atari Jaguar. Jaguar? Jaguar? I, I can't say it the proper way, apparently. Uh, but nonetheless, Tempest 2000, that's the, that's the ticket. Um, awesome game, highly regarded, often considered one of, if not the best games on the Atari Jaguar. Um, and then he came out with a few other versions of the game, he being a, a Jeff Minter, right? And t- uh, Tempest 4000 on the PlayStation 4 is readily available at like five bucks a pop, complete in box. Um, it's a killer new version of the game with more things to shoot, more ways to score points, um, more visual tricks, and uh, you know, go get it. It's a, it's a solid one. Now, this one, I, I actually own this as well, and I can't remember the entire story behind it, but basically on Amiga, there was a game that was kind of put off for a while called uh, Putty Squad. Now, apparently this is a sequel to the original game Putty, which was a 1992 Amiga game. Um, Putty Squad was made, I believe, in 1993 for the Amiga 1200. I am kind of quoting Wikipedia here. Um, however, for whatever reason, it was never released until 2013, of all times. Um, and so at that same moment, apparently they went ahead and released it on a number of systems, including the version I have, which, um, is PlayStation 4, but it was on the PlayStation 3, the Vita, the 3DS, uh, Xbox Live, and Windows. Um, it, it looks like, it's funny because it it is a, a modern game, but if you look at it, it definitely has an Amiga feel to it. Just looking at the graphics, um, they have that kind of like super clean, crisp 3D graphics that are very individual, kind of modeled on top of each other. Um, Hopefully you take that as a good thing. Um, And apparently even after this game in 2017, Super Putty Squad was released for the Switch. I haven't even seen that yet. Just learned about that reading Wikipedia right here now in front of me. So another one I'm interested to uh, keep an eye on here. A couple last things I just want to throw out there when it comes to playing new versions of, of old classic favorites. I have to mention kind of some of the big ones for me. Uh, the new Mega Man games, they started releasing, I think, in 2008. They came out with Mega Man 9 and 10, which are, uh, you know, they, they feel, play, work exactly like an NES Mega Man game. Uh, in fact, they're probably two of my favorite ones after Mega Man 2 and 3. Uh, really good. Uh, a lot of people find them very hard because they're a Mega Man game, but once you figure out the boss order, they're very playable and very doable games. And, of course, now they just came out with a 3D upgraded version uh, of a Mega Man title, all new, not a, not a a new version, not a new game, but a new version, um, and that's a Mega Man 11. Uh, I just started this game, played a little of it. Um, this one actually does seem a lot harder to me than the NES-style Mega Mans, um, but it seems solid. It feels like Mega Man. I'm excited to play through it. Sonic Mania is probably one of the first 2D Sonic games since, um, you know, Sonic CD or so. That feels like an original Sonic game. Um, lots more levels, lots more um, features and things you can do besides just play through the game straight through. And uh, I guess the reason this game is so good is uh, they took a whole bunch of uh, fans of the original Sonics who uh, who are also programmers. And don't quote me on all this stuff. Please don't. Um, but I've heard that they, they did that and kind of these games... 
these levels were inspired and uh, recreated and um, lovingly put together by people who love the original games and know what make the original games good. And so very highly rated game. And uh, you can get it for a song nowadays if you're doing a digital only. Um, and even the physical versions aren't very much anymore. And then last but not least, uh, it's new to me. It's not a new game, but I only recently found out there was a Contra 4 on the Nintendo DS. And in all of its two-screen glory, it's another great side-scrolling Contra game. Um, after this game, you know, there's some some PlayStation games that just kind of lost it, the magic. In fact, there's a new one I was kind of excited about. I've heard bad things about it. It doesn't look like a Contra game and uh, hasn't gotten great reviews. So I'm excited to play Contra 4. Um, I would love to hear from everybody else out there if there's some updated versions or kind of recreations, continuations of an old game series that uh, you didn't think got the attention they deserve or uh, kind of got lost in the uh, modern landscape, um, especially, you know, five, six years ago when retro was not as big as it is now. I would love to know about them. Uh, please hit us up on our email or let me know on Twitter. I'm at oddball49, O-D-B-B-A-1149. And, uh, or even our Pixel Guide N Twitter, which is at pixel underscore guide N. So um, love to hear about those. Love to find new games, new versions of old games, all kinds of this fun stuff. I hope that you enjoyed the segment and you want to check some of these games out. Hey guys, how about we take a little break? check with our friend over the pond that's right it's tea time with tim hey everyone and welcome to this episode's tea time with tim coming up in this episode we talk all about the amstrad cpc range of computers of fine examples of Amstrad tunes there. The first tune was from Zub by Mastertronic and the second tune was Barbarian by Palace Software. So let's dive into it. Let's talk all about the Amstrad CPC. In episode 20, Cody and Eric got to talking about this cool little, well, very wide computer from the 80s. It's very British in design and makeup. However, despite selling quite well here in the UK, it found a special place in the hearts of the French micro users as well back in the 1980s. Because this micro is very little known over in the States, Eric and Cody got a little bit confused about some of the specifications on the Amstrad. So I'd like to give you a quick rundown of the specs on this range of computers and a little bit about the history in true Tea Time with Tim fashion. The CPC 464 was created by Amstrad in 1984. If you don't know who Amstrad are, the company was created and headed by then Alan Sugar. In fact, the name Amstrad is made up of his name and the word trading. Alan Michael Sugar Trading, or Amstrad for short. From this point on, we have to of course pay deference to the mighty Alan Sugar and call him by his now lofty title of Lord Sugar after he was knighted by the Queen in the year 2000 in the New Year Honours List for services to home computing and the electronics industry. 
Turning back the clock a few decades, Alan Sugar started out as a market trader in the late 60s, buying and selling whatever he could get his hands on. Eventually, in the late 70s and early 80s, they turned into a company selling low-priced electrical items like hi-fis, car stereos, etc. Sugar saw the increasing popularity of the microcomputer and thought he needed to get in on the action. So in the early 80s, he set out to produce a computer of his own to rival Sir Clive Sinclair's ZX Spectrum, a computer brand he would later come to own. Sugar's brief for the Amstrad CPC was a simple one. Build a computer so that it would come with its own monitor for £199. He saw this as a unique selling point. Sugar saw that all the other computers out there in the market at the present time didn't come with its own monitor. This meant that little Johnny, with his ZX Spectrum or his Commodore 64, had to connect that computer up to the main TV in the living room. Therefore, the parents couldn't sit there and watch their programmes whilst little Johnny was sat there zapping space aliens or listening to some awesome Rob Hubbard music on his Commodore 64. This way, little Johnny could be up in his bedroom playing on the computer and they were quite happy downstairs sitting there watching something like EastEnders, the news or more likely the weather on their own TV downstairs in comfort with a cup of tea. So Amstrad set about creating their first computer, the CPC-464. The development of the computer had a somewhat bumpy road to launch. Amstrad starting out with making the actual plastic casing, keyboard, tape deck and monitor. So they had a fully designed prototype but it was missing one thing. The motherboard of the computer itself. This project had been given to two designers who started out designing the system around the 6502 CPU used by the C64 and the Apple II. However, many delays with this design forced Amstrad to push the design out to another company. The company they eventually chose had previous experience with Amstrad on creating some of their audio-visual products. The motherboard designers would be Roland Perry and William Pohl. While Perry and Pohl worked on the electronics design, the basic ROM was produced by Locomotive Software. After some consulting, a decision was made to replace the main CPU with the Z80 rather than the 6502. The Z80 would be running at 4 MHz, and then they would add in a General Instruments AY38910 sound chip and an impressive, at the time, 64K of RAM. So that gave it more RAM than the ZX Spectrum that it was squarely competing against. The CPC also had another advantage against the ZX Spectrum with 27 colours and 3 screen modes. Starting in mode 0 with 16 colours available and a 20 character resolution, mode 1 with 4 colours and 40 characters and then mode 2 with 2 colours and 80 characters. This was there to accommodate the later compatibility with CPM on the later machines. The launch eventually came in 1984, but missed the target price point of 199 It launched at £249 with a green screen, and £100 more for a full colour screen, the CTM644, at £349. In the next few years, Amstrad would extend the range to include a 3-inch drive. In typical Amstrad fashion, they went on with a non-standard disc and in launched their own brand of 3-inch disc, 
called the CF2. These sold in a neat little plastic case and held up to 180k per side. So here's a quick run through of the Amstrad CPC range. Starting out with the CPC 464 with a tape drive, green or colour screen and later on an external 3 inch disk drive was added. Speaking of the 3 inch disk drive, this brings us neatly on to the CPC 664. Same as the 464 but with the added 3 inch disk drive built in and the AMS DOS extension. This only had a short lifespan as the CPC 6128 was launched, making this quite a sought after model in the range. Next came my favourite Amstrad, the CPC 6128. A slightly redesigned case and keyboard, slightly sim slimmer in design, lower profile keyboard and the inclusion of the 3 inch disk drive. Also a whopping 128k of RAM, making this a real all-rounder for games and also for business use with CPM. In 1990, the CPC range had a complete facelift, with Amstrad launching the CPC Plus range. However, these did not sell so well in the end, again making these computers quite sought after and fetching a really good price to this day. Lesser known is Amstrad's last foray into the games market with the CPC platform was the GX4000 console. It was essentially a cut-down CPC with no keyboard and a couple of joy ports on the front. Another example of another 8-bit micro being cut down into a console is Commodore's C64GS. This was a cartridge-only based version of the Commodore 64. It was a complete flop at the time, but now they're really soaring in value. Anyway, a quick digression back to the GX4000. It came with a gamepad and it was a cartridge-only console and at the time it was up against the might of Sega and Nintendo. Although this received the backing of Ocean Software, 8-Bit Micro's star was starting to wane. There were only a few games released for it. Eventually the consoles were being blown out on the high street and mail-order companies for around £20 each in the end. They're quite sought after now and a good boxed example can fetch for around £100 on all the popular auction sites. So, what about the games? Well, the Amstrad was great for games. With the large colour palette and 16 on-screen at the same time in Mode Zero, the games had a nice, colourful and bright feel, with chunky graphics, good scrolling to save you from all the swap screen games, and the GI sound chip gave some excellent tunes to accompany the games. Unfortunately, as the Amstrad had a Z80 CPU, a lot of the games suffered from port issues. They would be ported from the ZX Spectrum. While they were okay, because of the limited palette of the Spectrum and the colour clash issues, these ports often lacked the zip and pizzazz of a game that was coded from the ground up on the CPC. However, don't let that put you off. There are some fine examples of popular games that got good versions on the CPC that we all know and love. There are also some games that are lesser known than the big AAA titles. These are either games that were ported to the CPC or written solely for it. Some of the games we all know well that had an excellent version on the CPC were the classic Rainbow Islands, Grisor, Lemmings, Akari Warriors, Bruce Lee, one of my personal favourites, Bomb Jack, Renegade and Target Renegade, both of the latter by Ocean Software. 
that's just a few of the big name titles. But as we pretty much know what they're all about, I thought I would also mention a few games that got good scores in magazines but are lesser known games, especially to those in areas like the States that didn't get the CPC back in the day. To be clear, these are not all CPC exclusive. You may have seen them on other 8-bits. But these are well worth a look on the CPC. So here's a few. Head Over Heels by Ocean. Get Dexter by PSS. Exelon by Houston Software. Barbarian The Ultimate Warrior by Palace Software. Cauldron and Cauldron 2 by Palace Software. Dynamite Dan by Mirasoft. Elevator Action by Quicksilver. Equinox by Microgen, that's a classic. Highway Encounter by Vortex. Jack the Nipper and Jack the Nipper 2 by Gremlin Graphics. Mega Apocalypse by Martech, that was an awesome game on the C64 and got a nice port on the CPC. Mooncrester by Incentive. Motos by Mastertronic, great little budget title. And Ranarama by Hewson. The next few are some of the Amsoft exclusive titles all titled Roland at the beginning. So we've got Roland Ahoy, Roland Goes Digging, Roland in Space, Roland in Time, Roland in the Caves, and yep, you guessed it, Roland on the Ropes. Next we've got Spin Dizzy by Electronic Dreams, a bit like Marble Madness, Slap Fight by Imagine, a great shooter, Super Robin Hood by Codemasters, Talcity by CRL, Tempest, which is a brilliant conversion of the arcade by Electronic Dreams. Thanatos by Jarell. Another of my personal favourites is Tornado Low Level by Vortex. Trapdoor by Piranha Games. Turbo Esprit by Jarell Software. This came out on the Spectrum C64 and the Amstrad, and the Amstrad version I think is probably one of the best ones. Way of the Exploding Fist by Melbourne House. I think we all know that one, but again, that got a nice version on the CPC. Zub by Mastertronic, which we've covered before on the Pixel Guiden podcast. And last but not least, Zynaps, a great little shooter by Houston Software. So that'll do it for this month's Tea Time with Tim. Hope you enjoyed my little run through of the Amstrad CPC range. Please let us know if listening to this has tempted you into getting an Amstrad CPC. We'd love to hear your feedback and see any photos. You can always post some notes on the comments on the podcast, or you can drop us an email, or you can send me a tweet at Sanxian on Twitter. Hopefully you might also want to grab an emulator, or if you do get yourself a CPC, have a run through of some of those games that I've mentioned. There's some enjoyable and great fun games there for you to play. Thanks again and see you next time on Tea Time with Tim on the Pixel Guiden podcast. Six good All right, time for six good games. It's November, it's Thanksgiving, so Eric and I are warming up the hot toddies and yes, lighting the Yule log and uh, going to go ahead and complain about some games that we're supposed to like but we don't. Exactly. So the way I approached this was games that we we should have liked, but we really didn't, right? Yeah, I said games we're not thankful for was the tie-in. But yeah, the, the concept is most people love these games, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't work for us. So Yep. You want to um, go first? You know, I'll go first. I actually wrote down four, because I, I didn't want to figure out what angle I wanted to go with here. But, That's um, fine. 
I'm going to start with I'm going to start with Final Fantasy. Okay. Now when I say Final Fantasy, which one? All of them. Okay. They don't click with me. I don't know. Um the one I think I should like is Final Fantasy in America 2 and 3 on the Super Nintendo. I guess okay. in Japan it's 5 and 6. Yeah. Um but those are considered like kind of high watermark uh 2D games. Supposed to be great games. A lot of people put it in the top two or three Super Nintendo games of all time. Mm-hmm. And I've tried both of those games, and I play an hour or two, and I just lose interest. Or I like walk away when I come back. I don't know where I am. Yeah. And I just can't do it. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, often considered by many people to be like the one of the best games ever made. Seven considered the best, yep. Yeah. And PlayStation 1, right? And super slow. I listened to like 20 minutes of story, couldn't get past it. The, you know, the uh, the art has not aged well. You know, the play, it's they got those PlayStation weird, clippy, straight line 3D graphics. Right. Um, can't get into that one. When I hear people talk about Final Fantasy, it sounds so much better than actually playing it. I don't know if you agree with me. I've listened to podcasts where they talk about it, and I'm like, this sounds like the most amazing game I've ever freaking heard of. Yeah. And then I go to play it, and it doesn't do so it So you for agree me. with me on this. I do agree with you on have this. You play, have you played much of any one in particular? I've played a ton of Seven. In fact, I bought a strategy guide to get me through a lot of it. I've probably p- played 50% of Final Fantasy Seven, which is a oh, lot. Wow. It's a long game. And then for... Two or three Christmases ago, I got the latest Final Fantasy, the one on the Xbox One. Okay. I was like, I'm going to get into this. I played about four hours, just what I, out. One big thing for me, too, is even the story. Mm-hmm. Like, the early Final Fantasies were like a fantasy game. Like yep. A, like high fantasy kingdoms and dragons. Yep. Kind of like then, a D&D game. And then, like, when I was in college, there's, like, futuristic cities and stuff. I'm like, what is going on? Mechs. What? Like, and Final me- Fantasy yeah. VII has mechs. Even, yeah. Well, even Final Fantasy... Uh, six on the Super Nintendo had mechs at one point. Yep. I'm like, what is the? Is this the same game, or are they? Are the? Is each Final Fantasy a completely different fantasy? I don't. I don't get it. Right. And I agree with you. And I don't fully understand it. But I, I will say there are parts of Seven that I liked, but it wasn't as deep as I would hear about, like on podcasts. And I wanted to know what those were. I mean, I, I I'm missing something. I, I, feel I feel like the same I'm way. Yeah. I, yeah, and I, I think if any game, I should I would like to try retry six again. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven is like a lot of people I've heard, just like you did. That yeah. it's like the best Final Fantasy. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. Actually, the the NES one looks really good to me, but I heard that one's really thin. Yeah, but that maybe that's what I need. It's kind of rudimentary, kind of yeah. Who knows? Um, mm. So, so I, I agree with you on that one. I think. All right. Yeah. My first, yes, exactly. <laughs> my first one is Resident Evil, on anything, on any version. Oh, any the whole series. The whole series, like I, I so I will listen. Garbage. That's garbage. I will listen to a podcast about Resident Evil, and it sounds so good. I'm like, oh, this is this is in my wheelhouse. Inventories. How many times have I tried you shooting zombies? There's no way you play Resident Evil Four. Because you would not have that opinion if you tried Resident Evil 4. What What is that one on? What, what platform? Uh, well, it's really no well-known on the GameCube. Okay. It's really well-known. I, I played it on the PlayStation 2, but I heard it's best on the Wii, actually, with their controls. But, okay. Well, I mean, I'm willing to one try... Of my top, 
10 games of all time. I will keep an open mind, but I play Resident Evil, and I'm walking around. I can barely control it. It's like driving a tank. Yeah, that's not Resident Evil 4. Okay, and and I can't aim... To save my life, which is ridiculous. It's like my character's drunk every That's time. That's part I... of the suspense, Eric. No, it's part of. In like... real life, if you were in a haunted mansion and a zombie popped up, you would slowly, listlessly rotate to the left <laughs> and fire into their hand. No, I would shoot <laughs> zombies in the head with insane accuracy. I'd probably just run, but yeah, with insane pixel guidance accuracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pixel guidance accuracy. Yeah. So. That's my the, a game like on paper. Resident Evil is like in my wheelhouse. Like I love it. I love cheesy. Horror. I'm ready. Yeah. And then I play it, and like an hour later, because I I bought the remastered one on Xbox 360, and I'm like, I'm gonna get into this. I played an hour, and I was out. I was like, the controls were better, but they were. It didn't change the fact it didn't that change anything. <laughs> it didn't change. I mean, they were better because they weren't tank controls, right? But it didn't change the fact that you still listlessly turned to the mm-hmm. side. Yep. And then, yeah, no, I, I actually played a good amount of that remastered one. Okay. And I heard Resident Evil 2 remastered is supposed to be amazing. Whereas the first one is just like a graphic upgrade and controls are a little better. Okay. Um, so I might give that but a shot, But you're saying too. 4 is going to give four me what I want. 4 is a whole game. It's four, what I want. 4 is an action-adventure game with just enough survival in it to feel tense. Okay. But it's not like, I have six bullets. Can I even get through this next part? I mean, there's... You can, there's bullets. And I'm still a sexy cop with the gun and all that stuff, right? Because well, I still want that. Well, you enjoy that part. Okay. <laughs> you enjoy that part. Oh, it's, actually, I, I actually mean to go back probably this year and play through for RE4 again. You're saying RE4 is where I should go and, and reevaluate my, my whole Resident Evil paradigm here. Well, you've played... How many? Which ones have you played? One and two, I think. Yeah. Which were both essentially the exact same engine, just different games. Okay. Right? Yeah. To my knowledge, yeah. Yep, yep. I've heard really good things about Code Veronica on Dreamcast. I haven't played it. Haven't played that one either. Um, okay. And then 4, everyone, four, is, 4 is widely considered the best. Okay. Uh, which is funny. A lot of people hate 6, but apparently it's the highest selling one, but it got terrible reviews by critics and gamers. And then 7 is kind of a return to form, apparently. So I want to play 7 eventually. 7's on modern systems, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm going to give that a shot. What's your next one? Uh, I'm going to go to, I've already complained about Undertale on this show, so I'm going to pass that one. You're going to pass completely? I'm going to pass that one. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with Head Over Heels. On the ZX Spectrum? On the Spectrum. Okay. So, we're, we're you and I are both feeling the system out and learning these games that everyone cherishes and loves. Yes. And everyone considers that to be, like, the game. Right. Like, if you don't like any other Spectrum game, Head Over Heels... That's going to be the one. Number one, it's isometric. I can't handle it. I can't control. Awkward. Yeah. Uh, Number two, when it's isometric, you can't hardly tell where you're jumping. That's right. Number three, this is probably the same thing that I always admit my fault for. I don't read instructions and stuff. So um, there's like two characters you can control. Okay. But I swear, like I kill one, then I control the next one. So like, why am I still playing if I already killed the first one? Like you're supposed to be able like. The characters do different things, so you have to like kind of do the play the game through twice with each character to, you have to finish it. Yeah, they um, have to work in cooperation with each other. And I just can't. When I was a kid, I could see myself doing this, but nowadays I can't imagine myself playing a game where you have to be very accurate and pixel perfect 
jump through these things to collect things to do the next thing. You can get 45 minutes into a game and then die. Yeah. And be like, oh, you got pretty far. Good job. Try it again. Yeah. Like, no, I don't want to play all that exact thing again. I already played that. It's just, that's just not, not like non-modern mechanics in a game that just drive you crazy. Yeah. And the, yep. the classic games I like are the ones where they're fast, quick action and you're trying to get your skills better. Yeah. Not just something where we're like, let's see if I can go through that exact same part again. Like Attic Attack. I I consider that yeah, one that better than, oh, than yeah. Head Over Heels. I love Attic Attack and yep. I love Zub. Those are my two favorites Zub, right yep. now. Um, which I know are on different planes, but um, almost beat Attic Attack. Um, I actually enjoyed Batman more, which is a very similar game. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe just because I can get further without dying. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Um, just because so many people... And I don't hate the game. Right. I'll go back and play it. But since we started this podcast and we were we got that one brought... I haven't owned a cassette of it, thanks to Tim. Yeah. But um, it's not. It's just not one I can love like everyone apparently says I should be loving it. Yeah. My next one... I want to I wanna tell a little story. A little backstory. Picture, uh, picture an Eric. Mm-hmm. Okay? With a Super Nintendo... Mm-hmm. And I'm living on my own because by then this, the Super Nintendo was the first console I bought on my own with yep. my own money. But at the time, I was broke. I lived in an apartment. My rent was 400 bucks a month. Deal. Um, it was a crappy apartment, but it was 400 bucks a month. Welcome to Eric's apartment. I worked at Roundtable Pizza while I was going to college. I know um, where you delivered those pizzas. Uh, right next to Amy West. That's right. Where the, uh, where the hotels rent by the hour. Correct. That's exactly it. Um, but imagine, I don't, I'm eating Top Ramen and pizza every day because that's all I can afford, right? But all my friends had Super Nintendos and I wanted to have a Super Nintendo so we could play games together and stuff. So I got a Super Nintendo and I'm buying games and, and I, I save up a little money and I want to buy a new game. And I love Street Fighter 2. I love like uh, some of the fighting games like on Neo Geo. So I'm like, I want to get like the hot fighting game on Super Nintendo. And I want it to not have a gray cart. And it didn't have a gray cart. Exactly. <laughs> so the sexy black cart. Ooh. Killer Instinct. That's killer. So I bought Killer Instinct. And it had, and you know, when you're looking at the box and you're reading the, the magazine reviews back then, because for you yeah, kids yeah. that didn't have the internet, you know, those magazines. It had like the the graphics that kind of like Mortal Kombat had. I don't know what that's called. Like yeah, the you know, digitized uh, photographs. Kind of digitized. It wasn't cartoony. It was very digitized. Yep. So sexy. I was like, I'm getting Killer Instinct. I bought it, and it's not that good. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. spent. Yeah, not that good. I don't even remember how much money I spent on it, but it was too much. And I I played it. And it, have you ever done this with a game where you spent so much money on it? That you just kind of forced yourself like, to play it. I will it. like this. I will like this. I'm missing something. So I have to do it. Yeah. That's what Zingif has to say about it. <laughs> exactly. So that that was Killer Instinct you for me. Lose. Like I'd have friends over and we'd play Killer Instinct and we were like, this game sucks. <laughs> and I I just, I could have spent, it was, it was a full price game. I could have spent that on something else that was really good. So... That's the, game. That's the game I should have, you know, been thankful for, but wasn't. Exactly. That's my story. That's funny, because my, my buddy, uh, the same one who eventually bought the Jaguar and yeah. then returned it. Yeah. 
So he bought a uh, he bought Killer Instinct, and we played the crap out of that. Yeah. Um, I think I played it because he liked it so much. I just fight again fighting games, but I played it, and I do remember having good memories of it. But well, stepping off of a game like Street Fighter Two, where there is some strategy, Street Fighter Two. I mean, you can block and certain moves. You That's know. probably why I liked it. I just mashed the buttons and had a chance. Killer Instinct's the button masher. It yeah. really is. Like yeah. that's the only thing you can really do with it. I'm sure there's a lot of people who disagree with me who will pipe up hopefully, but I, I just couldn't gel to it. It was not my favorite. It, it turned yeah. out to be a real dud for me. Eric, when you see a top 10 or top 100 or top anything list on Super Nintendo, what is the number one game everyone loves? Well, on Super Nintendo, it's always Mario or... Or, or... Kirby or... Kirby? Really? Okay. Yeah, sure. Kirby or, yeah. or Zelda. Yeah, that's the one. So which one? I love action RPGs. Yep. So do I. And what game defines action RPGs? Uh, Link to the Past, right? Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, or even the original Zelda... Okay. Um, yeah, I. Every time I play it, I'm like, "This is gonna get so good," and I play it for like an hour. I'm like, "Dude, I can't wait for this to get good." It's like, it feels right, looks good, looks great. It's gonna be great. And like three hours later, I'm like, "Man, this is gonna get good. When's it gonna get good?" And then halfway through the game, there's that point in the game where you enter. Oh, I thought I looked at everything on the map, and then yeah. all of a sudden you enter Dark World, and the whole map is open to you again, kind of like in Castlevania. Same yeah. day of the night, you get the whole castle flipped upside down. That's right. In Castlevania, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. we got to keep going. There's more stuff, and blah. When it happened in Zelda, I'm like, oh, crap. Got to do it again. And I turned it off. It. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I can't put a finger on it. I really have no idea, because I love action RPGs. Mm-hmm. I love the style of the way it looks. I love like the whimsical, like... Not actually scary bad guys, but fun kind of keepsy bad guy. I like I love everything about it, but individually, but the whole of its parts, I just, I don't enjoy it. Yeah, I find it boring. And to be fair, the first Zelda, I played through the whole thing using a cheat or not cheats, but a walkthrough. Yeah, because otherwise I would have been looking under bushes for sixty hours. Yeah, and I didn't have a ton of fun with that one either. So the truth is, those are the only two Zelda games I've ever played, and I don't think I particularly cared for either one. Can I make um, an admission to you? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people like Ocarina of Time, too. Okay. On and I've never played one past Zelda, or SNES, so... Um, the only Zelda game I've ever liked is Breath of the Wild on Switch. Okay. And I loved it. How, well, how many have you played, though? I've played them all. All? Well, I don't want to say all. I don't think I played Link's Awakening. What is the uh, definition of of insanity? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah, I haven't played them all. I don't. I want to retract that, but I've played like Link to the Past. I've played the first one on Nintendo. I've played Ocarina of Time, Majora's um, Mask, Twilight Princess. See, I didn't play those, so okay. that's fair. I mean, I, I, I like I said, oh, I'm not I trying to make a point. Yeah. I'm just curious. No, no, no. But I haven't even tried those. But so. like you, I didn't particularly like those i've played link to the past and i probably played maybe three hours into it and then i decided this wasn't for me yeah um and i played ocarina time and i played even more i think i got five or six hours into that um but they just weren't for me i didn't like the puzzle aspects i didn't like i i i just didn't get a good feel for them so i i I think i agree with you yeah breath of the wild though is awesome it's interesting because i enjoyed um Chrono Trigger a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> so did I. Definitely more than Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. And another pure action RPG, Illusion of Gaia, which is usually ranked like 48. 
Illusion of Gaia is good. I yeah. like that better than both of those. Yep. I love Illusion of Gaia, and it's like 10 bucks. Like, they're dirt cheap. They're everywhere. Yeah. Nobody gives it much of a look. They say, oh, yeah, that's a good one, but it's not a great. No, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. You got one more here. Yeah. This going to be... A, this <laughs> one be, I don't understand yet. This so. going to be Eric's bad take. People are going to be uh, telling me that I'm wrong here. I know that. Um, I'm just interested because you talked about it recently. And yep. You, it sounded like you were enjoying it. So, here's here's what happened. I wanted to get a GameCube. So I went and got <laughs> that wasn't me, folks. Sorry. Hey, folks, that wasn't me. That was scary. Um, I, I wanted to get a GameCube, and I started looking at top ten lists of GameCube games. So I got the GameCube, and I didn't mod it, and I was going to go buy some top games and play them. And I got Ikaruga, and I got Super Mario Sunshine. I have real copies of those, and I played them, and they're okay. I mean, Ikaruga's great. Sunshine... It's okay. I've heard that one's polarizing. Yeah. I want to try it. I'm it's curious. okay. It, it's it's a good game. It's just a little bit, almost like for me with Resident Evil, like the controls feel a little funky, especially if okay. you played modern Mario games. But anyway, I always heard Luigi's Mansion's like top, top two, top three games of all time. Really? Yeah. Okay. So on, on the GameCube. So like, I'm like, I'm looking for it. I cannot find it and i'm the hype is getting real i listen to a podcast <laughs> you always let that get to you yep i listen you to really a pod- i listen to a podcast and they talk about it and i'm like this sounds amazing i'm gonna get this game could not find it anywhere at a reasonable price so i modded my gamecube and the whole reason i think i modded it was to play luigi's mansion so i modded my gamecube i burned luigi's mansion i pop it in i'm ready to be amazed and dazzled I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> you sounded like you were enjoying it last time we talked about it. No, I, I mean, I was bored. I Well, the first level, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I kind of like the mechanics. It's, 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 it's good. I mean, it's, it's a good game. But I get going, and I get going, I was bored. So I was like... It's a collect-em-up is really what it comes down to. It's, yep. It's not particularly challenging. It's kind of a collect-em-up. Yep. You collect ghosts with a vacuum instead of collecting coins yep and so i i just was like i played maybe two and a half hours and then i was just like i gave the my burned copy to you to test your mod hey thank you and i don't have it anymore because i was like i'm just getting rid of this and i'm glad i modded because mario kart double dash um there's a lot of games i love on that now i really like chibi robo um so so i played it so i played the uh first one i ever played was the Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, I think it was called, on the 3DS. On 3DS, yeah. I thought it was great. I have never played it. And I think that one has more to do. It's a little more interesting. Yeah. I've gone back and I started this one with you, and so far i kind of with you. I'm kind of like just trudging through it, and I'm like, oh, I can see where the roots for the other game were. Yeah. Um... But I mean, definitely I, innovative. Did, do you feel like it's a kind of a trudge? Like you know, it's like yeah, eh. yeah. I didn't. I didn't quite get into it. I haven't gone back to play okay. it yet. I beat the the big first boss, the baby. Yeah, which is kind of dark if you think about it. You're like, oh, you're fi- it's a dead baby. Yeah, like the ghost of a dead child right. who's huge for some reason. Um, sorry, that got weird. Nintendo dark. Nintendo dead babies. Yeah, um, Nintendo loves dead babies. <laughs> you heard it here first. Hot take. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> dead babies. Um, <laughs> sorry, we're getting a little punchy now. Woo! Punchy. It's that sour beer. Um, 
but yeah, after I beat that that baby, I'm like, I'll get back to this, and I haven't, yeah. I haven't felt the need to go back to it. I do, I do kind of want to go back to it. I, I do like the aesthetic. I do kind of like that, just the Nintendo feel. I like the aesthetic, kind of working through a game, and there are some great things, good things I will say about it. Um, it's a smooth game. It, 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 the aesthetic is great. The sound is fantastic. I, I just got bored. Yeah. So I was disappointed. I was let down. I was like, I modded my GameCube for this. Oh, well. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. They, they can't all be winners. And they have a new one coming out. Well, it's actually, already it's out. out. It's out. It's yep, out. I saw that story, yeah. Well, if you ever wanted to try Luigi Dark Moon, I've got that for your 3DS. Okay. I'll but give it a roll. I enjoyed it. Okay. I, I played through the whole thing and uh, actually felt um, the the urge to go back and keep going. Okay. Where to be? I mean, I haven't played too much of the first one, but I haven't gotten that urge. Yeah. So. Right on. Uh, anything you're looking forward to, Eric? Anything I am looking forward to? I'm looking into the Coco, getting into more of the library on that. Um, I I've just dipped my toe into it, so I really want to get into it. Um. Other well, you're that, the one that played it before I did, but I guess you never really spent a lot of time digging through the library. You kind of got it running and boxed it. I, that's all. So I haven't yeah. done much. Killer Queen Black, I want to get into the multiplayer. That I'm excited about. We need to really just make sure that happens and pick that, a time. I want to break into Doug multiplayer. I want to get into multiplayer yeah. on the Switch, finally. I'm going to have to make sure. I, I have a headset with a mic on it that's really cheap, and it's for the PC. If it works, it works. Yeah. If, but if it plugs with the Switch, I'll do it. Let's do it. That's the other cool thing about that is it actually has online voice chat, which is rare for a Nintendo. Built in, yeah, I'm finding that games that have it built into the game yeah. are the only way to go. Because <clears throat> then they have their own lobbies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Using the Nintendo app yeah. is like, nobody does that. So yep. I, I, don't, I don't even want to deal with that. But this one has it built in. So I went ahead and picked our future show information without asking you. Well, let's... let's Let's look at it. I'm excited about this. How about this for the next uh, month episodes? Okay. For six good games, Guilty Pleasures. I already wrote one down because I thought of it. I while, love it. I've, I wrote it down while we were talking last so, episode. So games that you enjoy and, and keep going back to. Yep. But for one reason or another, you don't know really if you want to admit that you like them. But we're going to anyways. I just thought of a second on one. That's next super month embarrassing. On Pixel Guided. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. You can't show me yet, but I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, for Battle of the Systems, I mm-hmm. thought of this one. Now, Josh Malone gave us a suggestion that I think I want to go with next week. Okay. Uh, or, no, I'm sorry, next the following month. Yeah. Because it's another Commodore Spectrum clash, if I remember correctly. And what is that? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Um, but, yeah, if you guys give us suggestions, we'll probably run with it. So I think we'll do his next month. Uh, but I really wanted to do this because these are two systems we haven't played with really too much. Okay. Um and I'm going to call it the Battle of the Systems for uh, Alternative Mascots. So, of course, Mario was on the Nintendo. So what did you have on the Sega Master System? Yeah, the Alex Kidd, right? Alex Kidd. And the one I grew up with was Miracle World. And yeah. it's it's the best one. Shinobi World's supposed to be pretty good. But it's funny, the Alex Kidd, the Kidd games are all completely different games. Yeah. They have nothing to do with each other. And uh, there's like five of them on the system, and three of them are terrible. Yeah. Um, but this is the best one. I told you so. I was playing Monster World 4 on the Sega Genesis Mini. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it, that game. It's fantastic. Yeah. I don't think that's related. No, it's not. Oh, okay. But it has the same name, Monster World. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll try to figure out where, the, where you're going with it. And, of course, the TurboGrafx-16 and or PC Engine. Yeah. Bonk. Yeah. 
Bonk. Bonk's one of those games I've loaded up, tried for 10 minutes, was like, okay, and then moved on. But I'd love to... Well, you probably did that with Alex Kidd, too. Yeah. I so. Wanted, so this is a good, good opportunity to actually dig my claws in and yeah, figure I wanna, it out. I want to do it, too. I, I played through some of it, and I actually enjoyed it, but I never had a reason to keep going. All right. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's go for those two. Sounds good. Uh, also known as PC Genjin. PC Genjin? On, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. The, yeah. That's right. I remember that. Or BC Gen- BG BC Genjin because BC as in like caveman before Christ BC yep. and Genjin I guess meant like kid or something. Yep. But as a play on words. Anyways, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's it. Thanks again this month for John being on the show. Yeah. On the previous episode here, uh, Tim, we've got a few more beers to get through here. We'll probably save, save them for the em. next episode. Yeah, don't drink them. Um, don't I, drink them, Cody. I've We're got keep them at your house, dude. I've got sours to go through. All right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's everything, buddy. Right on. All right. Well, keep in mind, uh, it's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at Oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>